This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Hoping we'll find you all in good form. John Paul is taking your calls at 1850 You can text, you can WhatsApp the programme anytime throughout the day on 0862-103-103. And going through the papers this morning, my goodness, are they just full of such sad stories and the grief that families are going through over the loss of their children. Needless to say, all of the papers and many of them on the front pages of all of the papers are covering the discovery yesterday of the body of 15-year-old Nora Karim. Many of the papers now saying mystery surrounds the death of this Irish teenager after her naked body was discovered. Now it was less than two kilometres away from the resort in the Malaysian rainforest where she just literally disappeared into thin air 10 days ago, staying there with her family. The 15-year-old's remains were discovered by a volunteer at about two o'clock local time yesterday and that was following a painstaking search operation uh, after she was after she was dis- reported missing from the Dusan Eco Complex. Now, her body was found close to a stream near a waterfall in a mountainous area of the rainforest. Now, it's, it, it's exactly 1.6 kilometres from the apartment where she was staying with her family. And according to the UK base, this is the Lucy Blackman Trust Charity and they're acting as a liaison between the London-based family and the media and these are the and they've been doing great I have to say the Lucy Blackman Trust have been doing fantastic in keeping the media updated and you know constantly saying leave the family alone because what they're going through they don't need the media haranguing them and asking them questions so they've been acting as liaison and really keeping people uh, updated they said yesterday that Nora had told her family that she wanted to see a waterfall during their holiday in Malaysia. Now, acting on this previously undisclosed information, a volunteer searcher decided to comb the area near the waterfall. And then it was that particular volunteer searcher who made the grim discovery yesterday. The area had been searched before, but it is very dense. It is rainforest. It is jungle-like. So, you know, unless it was really combed meticulously, I suppose a body could have been hidden or wouldn't have been seen on the first search. So it was the fact that this information came out, obviously from the family at some stage over the 10 days since Nora was missing, that this searcher decided, well, she wanted to go to a waterfall. There is a waterfall in the area. Let's take a look at that area. And that's how that particular person made the grim discovery. And the Corinne family are described as being absolutely broken. And another family, I imagine, who are absolutely broken uh, is one of our own from here in Cork. And this is the story of the little four-year-old boy, Avery Green. He was holidaying with his family in Costa Blanca. And uh, unfortunately, he was found unconscious in a swimming pool on Monday morning. He, the alarm was raised at around 11am when a man went for a swim in the pool and thought that it was an inflatable toy floating in the water. When he swam closer, he realised that it was a little boy and obviously the alarm was raised. Uh, Avery's family realised he was missing. They rushed to the scene. It's believed he literally slipped away from a relative briefly and fell into the pool. And, you know, a little four-year-old boy full of life, a little live wire. And in the blink of an eye, they're gone from, from, 
from your site and when people are on holidays we're all a little bit more relaxed when we're on holidays but nobody expects something like this to happen about paramedics did everything in their power to try to help the boy he was rushed to Alicante General Hospital he was in an unconscious state at that stage he, he responded after CPR and his vital signs were restored however then he lost his um, battle for life surrounded by his family in the early hours of yesterday morning and our thoughts and prayers with the Green family from Mallow and uh, reaching from the from Cork City. I mean, what they are going through at the moment. And another family who have described that they are experiencing inexpressible grief are the family of Jessica Moore. She's the 19-year-old girl who became ill at her Debs in County Galway on Sunday night. She was rushed to Port Yunkala Hospital but she was later pronounced uh, dead and I know she was to pick up her leaving cert results uh, yesterday. A post-mortem has been carried out on the deceased uh, remains and the precise cause of death has yet to be determined. So as I say, going through the papers today you just can't help but think of all of those families. God help them. Their lives will never, ever uh, be the same uh, again. 1850 Let's lighten it up uh, a little bit. If you are with your family today and you're looking for a nice day out and you're in the West Cork area, can I suggest you pay a visit to the West Cork Model Railway Village because today they reckon at some stage today they are going to welcome their one millionth visitor to the Model Railway Village, which is a wonderful, wonderful tourist attraction in Clonakilty. So I suggest if you're looking for something to do today with the children, why not head down? Who knows, you could turn out to be the one millionth visitor. Now, we've already been in contact with the gang at the Model Railway Village this morning and they're counting away. And they've told us that if they get the one millionth visitor before one o'clock, they're going to contact us and we'll have a quick chat with them on air. It would be lovely to try to find out exactly who that one millionth visitor uh, is so that's in the model railway visit oh visit and let's not forget somebody who's having a fantastic day today is Margaret Curran in Mallow because on the breakfast show this morning Margaret won 2,600 euro on our celebrity season now we will bring Simon back in on the programme today because I want to play out that little clip of Margaret winning and just go through all the voices and who exactly everybody was but congratulations to uh, Margaret Curran have fun spending the money and can I send the very best wishes and good luck to Scally Supervalue in Clonakilty they've been shortlisted for two international awards Supervalue in Clonakilty I have to say Scally's as as somebody said to me once it's almost like when they they go on holidays to the West Cork area and if they're in Clonakilty they include a visit to Scally's Supervalue as uh, part of a holiday treat it's one of those wonderful wonderful supermarkets anyway it's been shortlisted for two international awards Store of the Year and Diversity Inclusion it's at the Global IGD Awards the shortlist for the IGD Awards 2019 which is the annual event celebrating the best of the global food and consumer goods industries and it was unveiled ahead of a ceremony which will take place in London's Tobacco Dock where that is obviously somewhere in London on the 7th of November the nominations follow Scally Super Value winning two categories at the Best in Fresh Awards where the store was recognised for excellence in fresh food retailing in a large supermarket and Ireland's Best 
fresh meat offerings. So congratulations. They're a great bunch. Even just to get nominated for an award like this is a win in itself. Coming up on the programme this morning, we are going to speak with rural hoteliers who say they are being affected by schools deciding to open earlier for the start of the new school year. Traditionally, schools went back on the 1st of September are normally the nearest Monday after the 1st of September. If the 1st fell on a Friday, most schools would wait and they'd they'd all reopen on the Monday, the following Monday. But now more and more schools are opening the last week in August. Now, I would be, we're going to chat with hotels as to how they're affected. Obviously, they're down bookings because families are deciding, well, we need to be home. Probably down bookings for the last two weeks because you're probably thinking, oh, I'm going to need to prep and get everything ready for, for school and for the school term if they're going back at the end of August. But I would be, I'd love to hear from parents themselves. How do they feel? I know it's been a long summer holiday, not a very warm, hot summer holiday, but it's for parents whose secondary school children broke up at the end, at the start of June and some even might have broke up at the end of May they can't wait for school to reopen but for others I'd be interested to hear would you prefer that we would go back to the traditional and have a more set time for the start of the school year now I understand and know why schools do it they you know they, they bring them in earlier they have to make up the set number of days regardless so it gives them a bit of flexibility later on in the year if they want to extend a midterm break for example go make the February one go from a two day to a week long they, they can do that they'll have a little bit of flexibility but how do parents feel about it would they per- would you prefer if the you gave the children that last week in August it's the final week would you leave them alone would you let them have the last week of their summer holiday and the schools shouldn't open until at least the 1st of September your thoughts welcomed on that uh, please we're going to stay on the topic of schools and again I want to hear from rural families are you having problems accessing a seat on the school bus now we're talking here about the concessionary tickets people who are entitled to a bus if you meet all the criteria that you live far enough away from the school then you'll be able to put your child on the school bus but if you're hoping to get one of the concessionary seats because you're just outside the limits of where you would be entitled to a seat on the bus we are hearing that there are more and more families not just here in Cork this is coming out from all over the country people are having problems getting their children onto the school bus. I was reading in the paper this morning a story out of Gorey in County Wexford that 18 children in one school have been told they can no longer use the school bus because of lack of space. And these would have been pupils who in previous years got their concessionary tickets. Suddenly the parents getting a letter in the post to say, sorry, no room in the inn for you this year. You're not getting on the bus. Actually, the parents in Goring County Wexford have started a campaign to try to get the Department of Education to change the strict rules governing uh, buses. But they're not very hopeful of the problem being resolved. And the new school term for that particular school it's Cray College in Gorey. They are starting on August the 28th. So there's another one of the schools that's starting before the traditional 1st of uh, September. So anybody else having a problem accessing the school bus? And if you can't get your child on the school bus, what are you going to do? I mean, I'm, I'm assuming it causes huge inconvenience and complications for families who suddenly now have to factor in 
not just getting their children to school in the morning but also collecting them in the uh, evening. O'Rear this nightclub in McCroom. You may have seen this on social media across the weekend. It closed its doors for the final time last weekend after 30 years in business. I'm assuming many people met the love of their lives in O'Rear this nightclub in McCroom and lots of people have very happy and probably not so happy memories inside in that nightclub but it's always sad to see a local business been forced to close and we're going to speak with the manager of Aurelia's nightclub just chatting about why this decision why they took this decision to close the nightclub but we welcome your thoughts on the closure of Aurelia's nightclub in McCroom and then Save Cork Harbour you may have heard this group on the news uh, this morning. These are the group that are protesting against the Dairy Gold Cheese Plant which is to open in Mogili and they're afraid of what is going to be pumped into Cork Harbour the byproduct of the, the waste that will come out of this particular plant and obviously they're looking at it from an environmental point of view. Now there was a protest held I'm assuming it's finished at this stage they were due to protest early this morning at about half past seven so we will catch up with a member of the Safe Cork Harbour Group on the programme today. And Peter Dowdell the lovely Peter Dowdell, he's been off for the last couple of weeks on his alliers uh, he's take, took a bit of a break so he's back with us today so if you have a gardening question you can get it in and I already see some coming in by text so thank you for that. Now see Serious damage was caused to equipment at Fremont Water Treatment Plant in a fire that occurred at an electrical panel at the facility on Sunday last. Irish Water and Cork County Council, as we know, because we've been reporting on it, uh, along with specialist contractors, are working round the clock to try to restore normal production at the plant. And also they're doing their level best to try to provide temporary supplies of water to the community that are affected. Once again, joining me with the very latest on the story is Charleville-based Fianna Councillor Ian Doyle. Good morning to you, Ian. Morning, morning. Uh, and, and you are uh, welcome. All right, people are people are working flat out on this yeah. in, in fairness because it's it's a population of about three and a half thousand people isn't it are affected that's, that's right Patricia and just this morning I'm in Fremont after delivering I've a load I've a load delivered already this morning of a bottle of water so I'm going back for another load yeah the, the, the damage was quite substantial and realistically I think talking to Irish Water and talking to Cork County Council last night it'll be lunchtime tomorrow before the plant is up and running Okay. Uh, there was a huge amount of damage. Now, as of, as of yesterday, there was eight, but there were nine tankers filling the reservoirs and filling the lines as we speak today, and that will be continuously done. But in, as well as that, last night, we, they set up substations in Fremont, Dramina and Milford, where there is loose water, and bottle, loose water for want of a better word, and bottled water, plenty of bottled water available to everybody just to come free of charge and collect. And that was done last night, and I met the lads coming home from Mill Street show last night, and I was talking to them that they're a from Tiberi that had contracted through Irish Water, Martin Campton is his name, and I just pulled up and I just was talking to him in Dramina, and I gave him, so he was talking to me, so I offered to give him a hand. So I went back with him, and he threw up two pallets of bottled water onto my truck, and I have that to deliver this morning. And where are you delivering and that to? I, I, have, I, have, I have Fremont, Milford, and... Dramina done already this morning. The community the centres, is it? Well, I'll tell you now, it's in it's in Fremont, it's outside the community centre okay. and the Kerry, and Kerry agribusiness. Okay. In Milford, it's outside the National School and I also called the GA Cool Camp and get them water. And in Dramina, it's outside the church. Okay, and, and people... That, 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 that was done last night and all the bottle of water and I called this morning is all gone. Is but it's it? All, okay. It's all, but it's topped up again now. 
and I'm going back for another load. Now, also outside Maria, Liscarl National School and St. Bridget's Cemetery in Butterfield is also, there are points there that the lads are servicing. And when I'm you going, say water stations, is there are there water tankers that people can bring down there's containers? There's, there's, there's a water tanker there for loose, for, 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 if you have a container. Yeah. There's also tons of bottled water, two litre, five litre bottled water. Okay. In, in cartons and to just take it away as much as they want you know Okay and uh, I know Irish Water were on to us and they're saying you know people that are bringing containers with them yes. just to be sure to be sure because they can't guarantee that your container is sterilised properly that they, yes, you I should boil not, that yes. water Well the, bo- the bottled water is totally safe That's and, okay yeah and, but the, I, I, I'm going back now for another load and I guarantee you that I'll make sure that that's throughout the day okay. on all those stations now, And then I, I, vulnerable I, I, customers who can't get out I, I, Ian yeah, Anyone that can't get out that needs water just give me a ring and I'll make sure that they get it Yeah, I'll make You're sure very that. good You're very this good then, uh, Yeah because it's, look it's, it's a huge damage but I was just on talking to you know the council staff tonight it, 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 the fire was significant and thankfully like you know the, there was a serious danger to the staff because apparently the heat inside in the, in the, in the plant was unreal and the fire brigade locked the door and when they opened it the temperature was 100 degrees that they met them you know so if one of the staff had done that you know we did we have far worse consequences today than just no water you know Oh absolutely and I yeah. saw they, they, they've put in a temporary power source there's a temporary power source, but the panels are, the pumps, apparently the pumps are up and running now, but there's a huge amount of soot damage and dirt damage, and there are cleaners in there this morning, and hopefully they'll have that done today. So it'll be up and running probably this evening, but definitely by dinner time tomorrow, hopefully the plant will be back in the Okay, okay. But as, as we speak, as we speak, the reservoirs are being filled as well as what I'm doing. So, you know, hopefully people should not have, should be not badly caught for water anyway, yeah. Okay, and it'll be all, it'll be all sorted out. And well done to everybody. I know they're yeah. working around the clock. And to they yourself, are, you're you're, you're Patricia, going above Patricia, and beyond. Patricia, could I? Because I got a call when I mean last night. Could I just sympathies to that terrible tragedy in Mallow? You know, it's just, it's just terrible yeah. tragedy. Uh, I, somebody rang me, but I actually wasn't aware of the people. You know, so I didn't comment. But it, it, it's a terrible tragedy. And, and it's just you know, in in any of us that have ever been on holidays with small children, you know, yeah. we it's just every parent's worst nightmare. And you can be watching them twenty four hours a day, yeah, and in the I, blink of an eye, you needn't talk to me. You need yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, no That's dreadful. Yeah. Dreadful. So total sympathy to the Green family. Yeah. All right. Listen, yeah. appreciate that, Ian. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And, uh, and thank if, if anyone is, if anyone is caught, just give me a ring. And okay. And we have your number and all that. Thanks for that. That Thanks. is uh, Charleville-based uh, councillor, fantastic councillor, I have to say, uh, Ian uh, Doyle. He's running around being a, a waterman today, delivering bottled water. So, but just to emphasise, particularly to people in vulnerable customers who mightn't be able to get out to any of those points, those temporary water stations that have been set up in in Fremont, Jemina, Milford, uh, and Liscarroll, and at the cemetery, uh, Liscarroll, the Bosford to Liscarroll Road outside the cemetery there, St Bridget's. There's a, it's a water station as well. Just be aware of elderly neighbours, people living in very rural areas that if you could throw a check on them and if any of those rural uh, customers are listening to us and are without water this morning and you're having a problem and you don't have anybody to call to you, will you just give us a buzz here at the radio station and we'll get it sorted out uh, for you. 1850 Give John Paul a buzz and uh, we'll take the details of exactly where you are and we'll make sure that bottled water is delivered to you and hopefully by this time tomorrow it'll all be well sorted out. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 Laura Gelga RC 103 Ruga Conor Murray and Fev Law to be abroad in Ashling August 
is minica imrian chainish mar la kula cliberta agus noig she a kedu captavun and blin chakat dimmer share son rugby na heron o gavila se hange gorai agus rani a ke kundal er trust na loan but in austral agus gadinu halen when she mark tridug ud deg igwina verna idernashun to gadisha agus is keen to make tilla a machancha this is Kevin. Hello. He's a lovely guy, has his own business, but because of work, the only dates he's seen are on milk cartons. Hey, hey that's, uh, that's a fair point. If Kevin focused less on his work, he'd find that 24% of Irish people have tried online dating and one in five relationships start there. Is it that easy? At C103, our listeners are genuine people who just want to meet someone nice. Interested? Register for free today at c103dating.ie. Well, that doesn't sound like a lot of work. Make dating work for you. Try c103dating.ie. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Rural hoteliers claim the early dates of returning back to school is having a negative impact on revenues. Traditionally, the back to school date was always September 1st, but many schools now return up to a week earlier. Joining me to, to discuss the effects this is having on hotels, I'm joined by Neil Grant, who is General Manager of the Celtic Ross Hotel in Roscarbury. Good morning to you, Neil. Hi, Patricia. How are you? I'm very well. You're welcome to the programme. Do you see a fall off in bookings for the last yeah. week in August? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, do you know, it's actually funny enough, I hadn't really, uh, it didn't seem as much last year and I can't remember for the life of me when the schools went back last year, but certainly I think we maybe had two or three days at the end of August, which were a bit of a tough sell. Um, but certainly this year, uh, we've, for the last three, four weeks, uh, myself and, and you know, our front office team have been fighting away, trying to get little bits of last minute business to plug the gaps. Um uh, so it's definitely it's, it's a bigger effect and it was quite interesting it's only in the last week that I've been aware that other hoteliers feel the same because sometimes you get stuck in stuck in your bubble in yeah. the summer it's, it's busy in the whole the last few weeks have been busy enough so it's only when you uh, extract yourself and look ahead for a few weeks and you see uh, that there's a bit of an issue there but um, but look you know that's uh, it's sometimes the nature of the beast and we, we deal with Easter and we deal with uh, February midterm which change um, you know, in terms of uh, <clears throat> the time they fall and uh, the the midterm in, in February, sometimes is a different length to uh, you know year on year. It changes in the number of days you get uh, that the kids are out of school. So there's always kind of factors like that. But certainly, this uh, the last week of August this year is a tough sell. And there's, there's yeah, and and tr- you know, I I mentioned it was always the tradition that it was the first of September. So that last week traditionally. Would have been busy, I imagine, in, in most hotels. That it was still seen as part of the summer holidays. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, there's no doubt. There's. It seems to have been quite a short. It seemed like a very short uh, holiday period. Uh, I don't know. A lot of it could be down to the likes of the uncertainty around, you know, Brexit or whatever. And there's definitely the, the UK market generally is a little less buoyant this summer. Um, so there's definitely where you, you used to consider the the, the holiday period. 
you had a good eight weeks or something, it seems to be down to almost four weeks. Uh, mm. uh, you know, you get the last uh, the last week of July can be a fairly uh, bumper week, and then you've got three weeks of August, which can be busy. But in real terms, the actual peak peak summer. I think people, when they talk uh, about the hotel business, go, "Geez, the summer's really busy in hotels." And June, July, August is uh, you know is rocking. It's kind of the real the real peak demand time seems to be a four-week period. And then outside of that, whilst there's good potential in, in June and there's good potential in September, you do have to work very hard to get that, that business in and to attract advanced business so that you've got some certainty in the booking pattern. So it's, it's definitely a shorter, yeah. a shorter summer. Uh, and and as well, <laughs> weather-wise, compared to last year, we haven't had a great summer weather-wise. No, it's not. Um, like we would have, uh, you know, there's funny effects though. I mean, suppose our, our day trade sometimes benefits when the rain comes in the middle of the day because everyone pulls <laughs> have to get in. in inside. So yeah. in a funny way, uh, you know, from a food perspective, it, it, it's, uh, you know, it's been very hit and miss. Um, there's no doubt about it. And there was a few days there in July, the first two to three weeks of July, when the weather wasn't great. Uh, in all honesty, there was nobody. Uh, so once the rain came, it was like you were going, where's everyone gone? Um, but certainly now we've got into August, uh, there's definitely been a bit more. Uh, our food trade, when the rain comes, you do see people coming indoors and that's a sign there's more people around. But I think there was the first two weeks of July also, there's a lot of um, overseas holidays for the, the domestic market. So uh, the number of people that you, uh, if you're sending emails to, you know, business emails, you got me out of office uh, mm. on annual leave and such like, and when you spoke to them on their return, they were abroad. Um, so I do think that there was a little factor in that that meant that the there wasn't the footfall in early July. So when the, the weather was poor, you didn't really get the people, uh, the passing trade. Um, and I think generally drinks spends down, there's no doubt about it. There's not, uh, it was, it was uh, I mean, the feel-good factor for May, June and early July last year with the weather being so good and everyone probably spent a bit more. They went out for, you know, a casual dinner or whatever and uh, they definitely were, were were on a bit of a high and now they reeled it in a little bit kind of towards the end of the summer but we've not had that feel-good uh, spend factor you would have had last year. The weather definitely cheers people up. Uh, that's, oh, that's, yeah. that's for sure. Uh, overseas, uh, British holidaymakers, Brexit, Neil, all of that. You've you seen the effect? Uh, yeah, like so there's no that we've seen the effect since 2016 though. So like I, I think when the when the judgment when the the call was made by the UK and I, I say 2016, I think it was 2016. It seems so far uh, yeah. long ago, but um, that that was the biggest change in our UK market was then, to be honest. And then it's just not changed much since. Now we're we're trying to do a few creative things to maintain the British market to get the British market back in, and actually, funnily enough, we've um, We've seen a bit of bounce back in our, our kind of, funnily uh, enough, just analysing reports the last couple of days that our individual business from the UK is, is creeping back up a tiny bit. Okay. Um, but it hadn't done. Um, now, at the end of the day, it collapsed two to three years ago. Um, we work in the tour operator business that, you know, we, we have two or three good UK tour operators that bring group business to us. And they're still performing OK. Like, they're not bad at all. But at the end of the day, we used to have a much higher individual uh, business from the UK, you know, just the, the family or the couple that would just book a, book a flight and come across. And that's not been the same since 2016, to be honest. Um, what we, I think the biggest thing that we see is just it's such an uncertain market. And, you know, 
know, there's definitely less British around, there's no doubt about that. Like, you can tell on the ground floor, like, you would have been more aware of the British accents in the restaurant during the day or in the restaurant in the evening. They might have a local B&B or they might be in a um, self-catering or whatever. And I just don't don't hear or see that uh, volume of business as much. Um, from With regards to the US market, we've seen a little bit of a drop-off. The US tour operator um, market has not performed as well this year. Once we got into the summer, it was fine for the early part of the year, but it's not been as good now. Um, and I think generally it's just uh, there's a lot of uncertainty. You've not you've not the great certainty and trends that you maybe had in the past as to what business is going to land. And I think that um, I think def- definitely in a funny way the exchange rate uh, does mean that it's more attractive for uh, you know the European business to you know, maybe go to the UK rather than Ireland because, uh, you know... They're the, getting a better bang yeah, for, their, for, yeah. for their buck. No and the, and the, the news, the news that the Norwegian pulling out of Ireland, the, the, the flights out of Cork. Yeah, that's a blow. I mean, yeah. the thing is, it's ever since the, the what's it, the 77 Max yeah. kind of accident. I mean, obviously, they've not been coming into Cork for a long time now. Um, you know, because it got diverted to Dublin, I think, that any people that had booked flights. So, I mean, you always had a, a slight inclination that you thought, well, really, is it going to come back? Um, so I think this is kind of, uh, it's, I suppose it's it's copper-fasted the news that you kind of knew was going to come anyway. I feel very sorry for the airport. I think Cork Airport put such a massive effort into, uh, you know, getting a transatlantic route. I think they put huge effort into making a success of it and we invested good money in it. I think there was good, from what I gather, um, if you do chat to the folks at the airport, there was, there was a reasonable support for the... There was, uh, yeah. The yeah, yeah. Um, so, look, the only thing you hope is it might have paved the way. Um, I saw the, uh, just on online yesterday, I saw both Neil McCarthy and Kevin Cullinan kind of posting um, uh, stories saying that they're going to work hard now to try and find another alternative would be great in 2021 right. so fingers crossed but uh, it is a blow there's no doubt because it opened the market and we made new friends in that part of the world and you know and it did raise awareness of, of Cork um, so we can't lose that we need to maintain those friends regardless and make sure they know that they can still get to Cork whether it be via Dublin or via Heathrow and back over to Cork where there's a very good connection from, from Cork to Heathrow as a hub and and well, there's four flights a day there. It's yeah. it's terrific. So, okay, I gotta leave it there, Neil. Listen, thank you for that, and uh, thanks so, for joining us on the program. Pleasure. Thank you. Oh, it's good to talk to you. Bye bye, Neil Grant, there, who is the uh, general manager of the Celtic Ross Hotel in Roscarbery. Eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. Lines open. The C103 Cork Diary is a free service to help non-profit organisations all over Cork. So if you're a community group or a charity that's holding a fundraising event or meeting, send us the details at least one week in advance and we'll tell Cork all about it. Email info at c103.ie. The Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses. Supporting communities. Serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. C103. It's been reported that a school transport crisis is looming just weeks ahead of the new school year. On Monday of this week, a public meeting was held in Tracton, where local people discussed their concerns. Joining me with an update on the story, uh, JJ Hurley from Belgoody. Good morning to you, JJ. Good morning. Now, Patricia, the, Patricia, I'm just thinking there, if it rains, I'll have to run 
run out and bring in the wash. Will you? <laughs> <laughs> and there is rain forecast for today, so keep a close eye on it. The problem, this problem is with the concessionary tickets yeah, as opposed to those, if you're entitled to a seat on a school bus, you'll get it. Just explain how the concessionary tickets work. Okay, so concessionary tickets, if you're outside an area and the bus, you know, and there's, and there's, and then there's, there's room for you, you get what's called a concessionary ticket. Problem here in Belgooly. Actually, it's after. Look, I suppose the first thing is I just after to get off the phone. So there would be, you know, I know people if parents are worried there may be a solution. So that's the good thing. So if people okay. just want to bear with us a while, but there, I think there will be a solution. Well, there is a couple of solutions. And um, the, the meeting itself was organised by Tim Lombard, uh, the local senator. The, the problem with Belly Field is that naturally people have went to Kinsale from that school. So they've okay. naturally parents and older siblings have always went to Kinsale. Um, there is a nearby school, the, the closer school is Carrigaline, um, but people have naturally went to Bellyfear, uh, from Bellyfear and Tracton have went to Kinsale. The issue arose then as Belgooley and places like that, people that were that are on that, that, are, that are entitled to tickets as opposed to concessionary tickets, those numbers rose and they pushed the concessionary people off the bus. So badly, so actually this year that it is, it wasn't. We believed it was nineteen. With a meeting the other night, it was. It's now fifty-seven because it's 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 hit Riverstick now as well. And I know parents in Riverstick that they're it's and it's it's pupils that are on senior cycles. Now the oh. rules according to bus Aaron as they go to their local school. So they said to people, you should go to Carrigaline. And people said, well, first of all, there's no bus service to Carrigaline. And secondly, Edmund Royce, which is just after opening Carrigaline, a new school, they have no senior cycle school, uh, they have no senior cycle classes. Um, on top of that, the first year classes are full. So, so, they, so people asking, can't, even if people wanted to, they can't, they can't go, go there. They can't go. They can't go. And you're you're saying they've been they were always allocated on a random basis. But mm-hmm. are you hearing from families whose children w- were always got one of these concessionary tickets, and now suddenly they're not getting one no, this year? Not, um, and, three, and in some cases, some people there is a couple of concessionary tickets. Uh, uh, some people have got them, but like in one case, I know one case where uh, two older brothers in their thirties, and the, the, the last one, if you like, the, the last, the, the younger sibling, was refused, and he, and they and they were in fifth year last year, and they've been refused again this year. And I, I just, I suppose, from does the, the prospects, you know, it's very expensive. Um, the other issue is like, okay, let's be honest about it. People spend hours on the radio talking about the environment and climate change. Yeah, yeah, so we're and we're encouraging have... people to use public transport, get on the bus, get on the train, yeah. and now we're telling families drive your children instead. Sixty, sixty cars going to consider ah, going, going to abandon. Um, so the, the the problem really, and I've been, I suppose, from my perspective, I've been chasing it for the last twelve months because I, I look, you know, it's like you, Trish. I'm sure you get very frustrated when you ring up there and somebody's talking about a hospital bed, and you feel like, can I do something? Because it does, you know. I mean, you know, you, 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 we all, we're all human beings, and we all feel for people, and we'd like to see can, you know. I'm sure you the as I said, you'd have the same thing there where you'd say, God, I'd love to do something. So I suppose from my perspective is 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 you know being a local correspondent is to raise those issues and to continue those raise. I mean, I must say, I, I find it very frustrating and I'm sure you do too you 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 know we can all think of issues that you opened it you opened the diary in January and you you I'd say when you come to work on a Monday morning you know what the phone call is going to be like well at certain times of the year absolutely yeah. and this one with the concessionary tickets for the last number of years crops up 
every time at this time of year because now parents are finding out their child doesn't have a ticket on the bus. OK, what's the possible solution? Well, the possible solution, just, just can I just say, I was spoke to Margaret Murphy O'Malley, the TD, and she suggested last week that we looked at, well, there's two solutions outside. The first one was the local link, but just come back to, there is there is a suggestion in political links that money is going to be, that, that €4 million Euros would solve this problem. Now, there was a suggestion, first of all, that by from the Department of Transport are going to make an announcement that extra money is going to be put in. The, 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 I, I was on to the department just before I came on the radio. They were going to get a spokesperson to come back to me. They haven't rang back, so we don't know where that is. However, I rang the local link this morning um, in, in Bantry, and the good news for people, and it is good news, if there's people in there, first of all, the local link is going to run a bus from Bandon to Kinsale. That is the, the reason that's run. There is a third level college there in Kinsale, the Kinsale Community College, yeah. and it's to service that. But that would pick up students from Dundara going going to, to the secondary school. Now the the only issue, and I don't, I don't panic, parents panic a while with this. It is ten past seven in the morning, but they will look at trying to reroute that and change that. That bus then gets to Kinsale and it goes through Ballinspittle and Kilbritton and it could pick up students there as well. Now, I would have to say this, Trish, in this day and age, parents are going to have to probably get rid of the idea that it's going to call outside their gate. If That's I'm not going to happen, no. And I'm living in Toker and, I ha- and my, my child is going to a college, they are in Dublin, they're wa- they can be walking five or ten minutes to a bus stop. It's not going to, it doesn't go into the estate and park outside my door. So that's, that's going to be something the parents are going to have to, so that's the first thing. The, the, the person then, they're willing, they have looked at a service previously from an Anne Bridge, um, you know, the rural areas over here. So they might well look, they, they are willing to come to a meeting, they're willing to look at it. They'd have to put, they would have to put their proposal then to the NTA, which is the National Transport Authority, and they would fund it. But I genuinely do think this morning, so for first of all, for those students in Kilbritton and, and Balnadeed, I think there was a couple of students around um, you know other places that look that if there's a local link now the bus ticket doesn't work on that that's the first thing but my understanding is that you know the price will be no I haven't had a price but it'll be in and around in fact it might be even less so that would How be much good. is the concessionary ticket? Well the concessionary ticket I don't know for a normal student is probably is is nearly four hundred euros? I should know now because I have one of my on my my house, but it's, it's somewhere around then. Yeah. But I think this. So the local link one, you think, will be in and around the same. It won't no, be. It certainly won't be any more. Okay. Definitely not, and it's All definitely right. a solution. The other issue, and I know, sorry, no, Trisha rushed me, but the problem with the national, and and this has got to be this has got to be highlighted as well today. I spoke to bus a, a fellow who a guy who was providing buses. He had to take a bus off because he can't get drivers. Drivers are impossible to get. Even even anybody with a haulage company or a bus company will tell you it's impossible. There's loads of red tape. The other issue is previously guys who retired at 65 probably drove for about 10 years but now you have to be, if you're over 70 you can no longer drive a bus. Yeah. Yeah, that's causing a huge problem. So, so yeah, so that, so I, you know, so that's that's what that, I think that's good news. The other thing, really, look, Trish, to be honest about this, and and people can say what they want, and politicians can say what they want. Minister Halligan needs to change the rules, and every and and the department, it's not bus there. Like to be fair to the inspectors out there, to be fair to the bus there, and they're doing their best, but their hands are tied. They're playing by the rules, but the the box stops. And I mean this, the buck stops with Minister Halligan today. 
He needs to change the rules. He needs to look at them and make them more flexible. Yeah, to qualify, you have to live three and a half kilometres from the primary school and 4.8 kilometres from the secondary school. Yeah, but you see, that doesn't... We see, the problem in in, in Ballyfeard is that they're way way over that. The issue is is to come back to the concessionary tickets here. And I mean, like, you know, like how can you... Like the other thing in relation to Ballyfeard, the concessionary tickets, there's another school in Crosshaven that, that, that students are getting a concessionary ticket. But my understanding is, and I can be corrected on this, there's two buses going to Crosshaven and one of them is half empty. Yeah, and some empty. someone else is saying, why don't they pull on, put on bigger buses or extra buses? And well, that's what Minister John Halligan is saying. That's why he wants this four million. And I know the Department of Finance said no, no, whether they've come to some arrangement uh, on that. I don't know though is it as simple as putting, no, putting on not, bigger buses more buses can I just say people that's fine but if in my information is and I know this because I know this that there, there is a real shortage of drivers as I said I know there's a bus that lost, that had to come because they cannot get bus drivers it's not as simple as going in and applying the other thing people need to know you need a thing called the CPC which is a competency for driving mm. and there's about 10 modules in that it, it, the average even for and guard the vesting if you're bringing children and, that, and, that, and that's, that's, that's okay too I mean, look but it all that. takes time it all takes time so our extra buses like for example there's already a 60 like there's a 60 seater bus coming out of Belly Feared already mm. no there is you see and that's full it's, and that's the one that's causing the problem but yeah. you see, Trish there, there seems to be no I, I think there's no joined up thinking here nobody looked at the local link like for example just, just one other point so the service bus goes through Belgooley every morning that's a real pinch point here right so that's now that if if the NTA looked at that though, so, so currently you can't use my understanding is you can't use your, your, your bus ticket to go on the service bus no now, there has to be a slight change in the service bus to consider because it goes to the centre of town. It would need to drop up to the community school. It needs to be done. But, like, if they, if they, somebody sat down and said, OK, well, somebody with, on Belgoonies put on the service has put on the service bus, there's a bus at 4 o'clock anyway in the evening, it goes to the community school and it takes the pressure off. Yeah. But my, my, my problem here is nobody seems to be sitting down looking at there is a solution here. There is a solution. Uh, a little bit of joined up thinking. I'm way over on time. I've yeah. got to leave it there. Listen, I know it's an issue we'll come back to. In the meantime, JJ, thank you for no, that. Thank you, and uh, thanks uh, for uh, joining us, um, a local correspondent in Belgooli, uh, JJ Hurley. 1850-333-103. And I know it's not just that mid-Cork area that's having problems with this concessionary buses. There are many other families getting letters discovering that the child doesn't have a, have a seat on the bus. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. By the way, I mentioned uh, yesterday that Dennis had been on to us from Davis Terrace in Mallow. Davis Terrace in Mallow is the area that God helped the residents there. They keep having their phone wire pulled down when trucks pass because it's an overhead wire. Trucks don't realise the height of the truck versus the wire and of course the truck goes through. In many cases the truck driver doesn't even realise that they pulled out the phone wires and it happened yet again yesterday. So Dennis got on to us, we got on to air 
and I'm told that Air have just been back onto us and they expect to have the problem resolved within the next hour. So phone services will be resumed in Davis Terrace in Mallow. But they, that situation is just ludicrous. It really has to be uh, sorted out. They can't just keep coming back and replacing it to have it pulled down again. It's not making any sense to me. We're also issuing a warning to people in the Ballydesmond General Do Hollow area because Castle Island Gardaí have been on their investigation reports that a very vulnerable man was allegedly duped out of cash after being falsely told he had to pay a fine for dog fouling. Now the irony of this is we'd love to be catching people who are allowing their dogs to foul and not cleaning up after them and we'd love to catch them and find them but this poor innocent man God help him got duped into it and handed over the fine and I don't know how much the fine was but just to let people know that there are people out and about in that general area Bally Desmond the general do hollow area and can you just warn people please we've been talking about staycationing and the fall off in hotel beds for the end of August with people going back to school. The school's opening earlier. Some people see the school's closing earlier. Well, somebody else has a reason why people are not staycationing. Hi, Patricia. I stayed one night in a hotel in West Cork after my daughter's wedding. Myself, my husband and a child. And we paid €179 for one room B&B. And that was with a €10 discount for the wedding. I think what Irish Irish hotels overcharge I wouldn't holiday in Ireland. It is too expensive, says a texter. And someone else says, Patricia, in England and indeed on the continent, they get much shorter summer holidays than we do in this country. For example, it's generally around six weeks. For secondary schools here, they're on holidays for 12 weeks plus. We get holidays far too early, says John in Clonakilty. And on the school bus, Patricia, the school bus service seemed to be a law unto themselves. Our children in the Bantier area were guaranteed seats on the school bus and this kicked in back in 1965 when the local school was closed and later demolished. At Clonmean, the bus worked well for about 50 years but then the service changed when they put on smaller buses and they started throwing children off the bus. They didn't literally throw them off the bus but they stopped giving them concessionary seats and that's from the Bantier parent group. So people in that area discovering that they don't have seats, concessionary seats and will now have to come up with a way of getting their child to and from uh, school. Now I can see a number of questions coming in from Peter. Keep those coming please. 18 5333 <laughs> Yeah, you I spent I spent Tuesday evening uh, in uh, buying plants. So what happens, isn't it? God, you how buy your, a house. How your life has changed. <laughs> how your life has changed. Okay, and you were only uh, remembering Oriyah's <laughs> nightclub that we're going to be talking about later yeah, on. We got yeah, from that into Good gardening. Times. Yeah, it's it's called getting old. Okay, <laughs> tell us what happened on uh, Celebrity C this morning. Very simple. Margaret Curran rang in twenty past eight. She got three right answers. She won two thousand six hundred euro, and she's going to uh, keep it all to herself. Because uh, her okay. do, do I, is it is it all self-contained in this little piece that I'm going yeah, to bring? It should out? be. Yeah, give okay, it a blast let's, there, yeah. let's have a listen to what happened uh, earlier. Two thousand six hundred euro here. Be lovely, wouldn't, wouldn't it? Wouldn't you love to have that now? Yes. Straight up to the airport, jetting yeah, off well, somewhere uh, hot. Yeah, maybe. Right, come on. Who are they? Um, I'd say um, 
Sandra Bullock, Gabriel Byrne and Killian Murphy. Margaret Curran, we want that holiday. You have to go and look at me, one celebrity scene! I can't. <laughs> Woo-hoo! Shock. Thank you, and I'm trying to get through for since last week. <laughs> Thank you very much. Oh my God, I'm shaking. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> 2,600 euro. Oh my God. <laughs> Thanks a million. And I even told my partner yesterday and he got through yesterday morning and he, he went off with another one after I told him if he got through. Oh, really? You gave him the three names and he went, I did. He went rogue on you? And he did, yeah. He put in his own one. <laughs> What's his name? Martin. Martin. Oh. You're not getting a bob. <laughs> and was, was Martin was on with you yesterday, was he? He was. I, I, don't, yeah. I don't remember and I don't yeah. recall exactly what his guest was, but uh, he, he must have been on at some point yesterday and didn't take uh, didn't Gabriel take Margaret's advice yeah. so she's going to keep all that money to herself now I'd say yeah. wow <laughs> it's, 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 a, it's a terrific way. and it was true it's exactly it was a slow burner to start with once we got the two then it was just a series it's of, only a matter I of time mean, I'm trying to listen could you work out that that was Gabriel Byrne is in the middle C C and C oh now did you hear it did you see that like it, <laughs> you can say that about anyone I know when you hear it yeah I mean, C, C and C. F, of course it's Gabriel Byrne. But you could say, like, you know, Sandra Bullock there at the start. Yeah, Sandra right? Bullock is very C. C and C. But if I said to you, that's Madonna. I know. You'd go, yeah, it's kind of sounds a bit like. So, it's know? Sa- so somebody, somebody's saying, give us the three C's again. Who, who is Sandra Bullock, Gabriel Byrne, who was the last one? Killian Murphy. Killian Murphy. Our own. And Our actually, own. The, the, the clip of Killian Murphy, he was talking about Cork. Was he? Yeah, he was talking about. Uh, uh, someone he used to see around Cork. Ah, so there you go. very good, yeah. very good. All right, listen. Uh, so that's it. Done and dusted. We've given away two thousand six hundred euro. Great win once again, Margaret Curran, Wards Terrace in Mallow. Congratulations and, uh, to you. What I'll, happens now? I'll have three new C's Monday morning. But you're not you're not sharing it anymore no, now. No, no, no. It's just all to yourself. So there'll be a few few more bubble for grabs for Monday. Okay, thank right. you for that. And no it's been it's been fun, and we've enjoyed having you on the program. Good thank morning you. to you. See that you. is our own Simon from the Breakfast Show. C one hundred three jobs. Carebright, they are now recruiting healthcare assistants in Kanturk, Formoy, and in Mitchellstown and the surrounding areas. Relief preschool staff are wanted. This is for Bandon and Dunmanway. Fetech level 5, please, in childcare is required. Professional curtain and blind fitter that's wanted for work in the West Cork area. Experience essential, please. While Coolmore Foods, they're currently looking for full-time general operatives. You'll find all the details and get m- and more opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103 and John Paul is taking your calls at 1850-333-103 You can text her WhatsApp as well to 0862-103-103 and actually there is a text in from Dick um, earlier saying, Patricia do you remember years ago there used to be road signs as you entered every different county informing you on how many people had lost their lives in particular different on particular different county roads yeah and it, and every year the sign it would be the number of road deaths for the last year wasn't it and then the number might be crossed out if replaced the following year I do I do remember them Dick I, I clearly remember them anyway Dick is wondering whatever happened to those signs he said when I always came home on holidays I always thought they were a great warning to slow down 
I'm home now with four years and it's only now that I've started to realise those signs have gone and I'm starting to miss them. And I'm wondering whose idea was it to have them removed and why? Mm, yeah, I'm assuming it was the Road Safety Authority would have put them up. I'll have to do some, I'll, I'll check it out for you afterwards, Dick, but we'll see if anybody listening might know. I would, my guess would be the Road Safety Authority put them up. They were there certainly for many, many years. Why they were taken down, I don't know. And it, you, and I, and I do remember if you were driving and you went into a new county and you saw it and you'd, you'd think, oh God, help all the families of, you know, the loved ones whose lives had been uh, lost. And God knows we were only talking this week on the programme with the number of road fatalities in the North Cork area in the last 28 days. Was it six lives? Six lives were lost. It was just shocking when we were talking about the one, the latest one on Monday at New Tupac House that brought it to six. So if there were signs like that, it certainly would be a high sign, a high number on the sign for Cork at the rate of which people are being killed on our roads this year. I don't know if, we're, if they're up and down on previous years. They feel certainly like they're up. So to other people, I certainly do remember those uh, signs. And I think you're right. I think they did remind you that you need to slow down, that we all need to slow down and all try to be a little bit more responsible on the roads. 1850 John Paul taking your calls. You can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 And I was talking about those, the road signs that that Dick remembered used to be up years ago. Uh, every county you went into, it would inform you how many people had lost their lives on the road in the previous year. And he was wondering what has happened to them because in the last, he's back living in Ireland now the last four years and he's noticed that he hasn't seen them in the last number of years. Well, Anthony McCroom is on to say that those those signs, I don't know if it's one sign or signs, are on the main road heading into Killarney from McCroom, but it's on the Kerry side. So Kerry County Council have obviously decided to keep them. Is it just Cork County Council got rid of them? I wonder, therefore, I'm assuming they were the Road Safety Authority, but maybe it was something that was put in place by each individual county and so therefore it's up to each individual county whether to keep them or not. We're going to try and see if we can get to the bottom of what happened to the ones certainly in the Cork area because I haven't seen them. I haven't seen them around the country either though. I don't know if it's, I don't think it's just Cork. 1850 Now last week, after more than 30 years in business, O'Reilly's nightclub in McCroom has closed its doors. Always sad to see a business closed down but especially when it's a social outlet where I imagine many, many people at the love of their lives. Joining me to explain why the decision was taken is Mary Rose Shanahan, who is the manager at uh, O'Rear This Nightclub in McCroom. Good morning to you, Mary Rose. Morning, Patricia. Uh, Thank you very much for having me on. Well, you're very welcome. Are the younger generation socialising differently in that they don't go to nightclubs as often as, say, previous generations did? Yeah, so I suppose the whole problem is coming about, you know, I suppose... In general, nightclubs are becoming less appealing to manage. And in regards to the young people, what's actually happening is, you know, I suppose in regards to the young people, it probably is expensive for them to go on a night out. So what's happening is they're staying at the bars until, you know, the final, the final time they can stay serving. And then they're coming down to us. So we have one hour to make all our business. So I suppose that's kind of where the main problem is coming from for most of the nightclub owners. Whereas previously, you, nightclubs would have started to fill up from sometimes from 11 o'clock. Yeah, so say now for, like, the thing is, like, 
know, it's the extension rates really that are the main problem for the moment for nightclub owners because in the extra hour of serving alcohol, nightclub owners have to pay an extension rate and this is over 400 euro every time we want to stay open. Now, I, extra I actually was quite shocked when I when I saw this because I, I did not realise that there was a charge. I knew there was a charge for bar extension, but I didn't realise you have to pay it every time you open a nightclub. Yeah. Exactly. So that's the problem, you know, because in that hour, some nights, you know, we might not even cover the extension rate. Um, our customers are coming to readers after the late pubs have closed meaning that we're relying on one hour of trading to make the majority of our business. And you just simply can't make enough money in that in that one hour. Exactly, do you know, and it's because, you know, I suppose it's all due to, you know, I suppose the Intoxicating Litter Act, you know, that was brought in in 2008. Yeah. And that was meant to reduce alcohol abuse. But what happened is it's actually after, um, you know, when you like what you have to do now is you have to apply for an individual extension each time you want to stay open serving later. So for some businesses, you know, we, for that, for us, it was only the Saturday night. But for yeah. other businesses, you know, that's up to 150 grand a year that they're having to pay in legal fees. You would, you would have, you would think that they would think outside the box here a little bit. And for a nightclub that's going to open every Saturday night or open every Friday, Saturday and Sunday, whatever it is, that you'd get a yearly rate and a yearly extension, and that would be it. Yeah, and then see, like you know. What's happening is there the extension rates and then on top of that then, you know, I suppose another massive issue that nightclub owners are facing is obviously claim culture and the insurance rates. So we have had a few cases at our venue now which has caused our insurance to go through the roof like but due to these our insurance goes up every year as the cost of readers we're obviously sitting on a premium each year. So like we obviously all nightclub owners try to take actions to reduce the risk situations, but there's only so much you, we can possibly do. Do you know as in like the insurance costs are killing the small businesses in Ireland and because this is having a knock-on effect on the nightclub industry and the nightclub industry is just being completely disseminated. And like, you know, obviously you get your genuine claims out there, you know, accidents do happen, people make mistakes, it happens to us all. But you know what, Jenny, like you have to accept loyalty and there's a lot of nonsense going on, you know. And then another problem is like there are fewer insurances, insurers available to nightclub owners and this is resulting in less competition. They can charge. They can charge you what they like. Oh, whatever they want. Give us an example of how much premiums would have gone up say, in the last ten years. Do you, do you figures yeah. off the top of your head? So, as like you know, obviously we're quite lucky now. Which you know we were being charged quite a lot for insurance annually. But we like saying out, you know, I know maybe the average nightclub owner um, is probably paying. You know, a, a kind of bad case now would be about thirty grand um, a year for insurance. But we've been lucky now. We've been kind of under the 20 grand figure now this year. But, um, you know, to even hear you, know. you say you've been lucky to be under the 20 mark. Yeah, absolutely. Do you know, that would be, as in like, if you're anything from 15 to 20, you're extremely lucky because, you know, if you are moving up to the city, you're lucky at double that, you know. And like you get, it's, it feels like dead money. It feels, it's almost like rent. You get nothing. It's not, at least a rent, you're getting something back from it. You feel like you're getting nothing back from it when you're handing out that kind of money. Yeah, and that's the thing, because, like, you know, I suppose what's, like, what, what I'm trying to do at the moment is I'm just trying to bring light and, like, raise awareness of, of you know, this claim culture in Ireland, because, like, I'm just calling for a more level playing field, as I feel just nightclub owners are being faced with a lose-lose situation, as, you know, insurance, insurers are almost encouraging us to pay out, because it can often be less expensive than fighting yeah, the case. Yeah, yeah, But, you know, on the other hand, people need to take responsibility for their actions, their pre-drinking, they're getting absolutely hammered before they come into us and we can't protect people from falling we can only stop them from coming onto the premises if they're too drunk 
Yeah, but what happened to the era where we fell, you were embarrassed, you got up and you walked away? Why? We have this idea that as soon as there's a little slip or a trip, regardless of how injured you are or not, why do we, why do we have to head straight to our solicitor? It seems to be the first thing we think of. Well, in regards to that, I just completely, I blame, all my blame is on the courts and the judges for even entertaining these cases. As in, like, you know, back in the day, you know, if you got your fall, there is no such thing as even thinking of claiming. You know, if, even if you broke your leg or anything, you say, look, so I got a bit of a toss at the weekend. But now everything, people are looking for any little thing. Do you know, as in, you hear so many stories now of people, do you know, that they spill their drink and then they'll go and yeah, fall in there's it. there's out and out fraud. I mean, we saw the one where the, the girl, look, only for the CCTV camera, put the piece of glass, let on the glass was in her dinner in that bar. Yeah, but I'm, I'm completely putting the blame on the courts and the judges for even taking the time. You know, it's ruining these small businesses for people because we don't stand a chance. You know, nightclub industry in Ireland is being wiped out and it's, I blame the courts and the judges for this. And there, there will come a time where others will follow your, your lead, Mary Rose, and decide we can't do it. We, we just can't open anymore. We will not have nightclubs as we know them and have known them in the past. They'll be gone. Yeah, but I think, like, you know, this problem, I think it's only kind of like what I'm trying to do now is I'm just trying to raise awareness of it because, you know, as in we're going to completely wipe out our culture and we need to change it, you know, and as in, like, you know, the crew now, I'd say a lot of other nightclubs are going to be following suit, you know, and this is, you know, we want to help our small business owners and not try and ruin them, you know, by claiming left, right and centre or insurance costs, extension rates, you know, we're trying to pay wages and then people are complaining about why drinks are so expensive why we have to pay, you know, 10-year admission fee. It's because of the insurance and the extension rate. Mm, mm. Have staff lost their jobs over this, Mary Rose? Yeah, so uh. unfortunately, um, I suppose it's quite hard for quite of our staff because our head bouncer, Con Murphy, has been working there for 29 years. Oh, my God. Yeah, so you can imagine it's very tough for them. And, you know, for a lot of our staff, it's a social outing, you know, every Saturday night. They catch up with all the customers, the regulars. You know, it's a social setting, so it's very hard for the likes of them. Was but, it a very um, I, was it a very hard decision for you to make? Oh, it was extremely difficult because you know, like you know, it's a, not only is it a family business, but you know, it's the only nightclub in McCroom, and it's been there for so long. And you know, we, we're like at the moment now, we're kind of looking at alternatives because another problem at the moment, like if you ever look at a nightclub now at the moment, they're not nightclubs anymore; they're venues. Mm. You'll never see solely just the nightclub. You'll always see it with, um, you know, a B and B, a hotel. No, there'll be something else it'll be used for something else it's very hard to solely look at it just the nightclub okay. so if we are to do anything I suppose we have to look at our alternatives can Maridas be used as something else other than a nightclub or do you know what alternatives do we have because it's a fine venue oh yeah it's brilliant you know it's, a, it's, it's spacious and you know it's very charismatic so this is a landmark almost from McCroom you know when you think of McCroom you think of the local nightclub or yeah, so, you know, yeah. it's, it's heartbreaking and reaction locally to, to the decision Mary Rose Oh yeah, with massive reaction. We had um we had our last night out now last Saturday night, and I just want to thank the whole community um in McCroom and around for supporting us because you know it was quite emotional to just see that every single person came out. You know, it was almost the biggest night of the year for us, and um it was quite hard to have to close our doors one last time. But I just want to say a massive thank you to everyone who supported us throughout the years. I saw up on Facebook, you know, when you made the announcement and there was, you know, you were saying to people, come on, come on down, it's for the last night. I, I thought it was so sweet to see people texting friends of theirs saying, will we get a babysitter? These were people who now are at home with their children. Um, but we need a babysitter in order to go for one last two ha. And obviously uh, so many of them did. 
Yeah, exactly. You know, I suppose it's a place that you kind of just always presume that will always be open, you know, that will always be there. And I suppose a lot of these have been coming here for years and years, so it's very emotional. Yeah, okay. All right, listen, uh, keep us informed on what your, what your future plans are. We certainly would be interested to find out what's, what is the future now for O'Reilly's Nightclub in uh, McCroom. But our heart breaks for you all because it's, you know, after 30 years in business, you can see how committed you were uh, to it uh, as well. It's a sad, sad day for McCroom and I think for rural Ireland. Listen, the best of luck with no matter what you do, Mary Rose. Thanks very much. And thank you so much. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Good morning to you. Bye bye. Bye bye. Mary Rose Shanahan there, the manager of now formerly O'Reilly's nightclub in McCroom, closed their door for the last time on Saturday night. Again, isn't it interesting? I, you know, I knew straight away that she was going to mention insurance costs and insurance costs was going to be one of the reasons. I didn't realise that it's so expensive to get this late night bar extension. I mean, that's surely something that could be looked at. But also the drinking culture of young people. The fact that young people are pre-drinking, that's not exactly what Dr. Colin Gleeson was talking to us about. And the danger with them pre-drinking at home, they, there's nobody controlling the amount of alcohol that they're having. And then they go out and try and do the last hour in the pub or in what was really trying to do the last hour there. And that's where it gets really dangerous and alcoholic poisoning and all kinds of damage that can be done to themselves. Again, we're back to our drinking culture and the relationship that we have with alcohol. But it is really, really sad to see the only nightclub in McCroom has now now closed. One of the main reasons, though, is this the high cost of insurance and people claiming and people going out too much to drink and they fall over and because they fell over and they slipped on on drink that they could have spilt themselves and they think therefore they've got a right to sue we've got to, we've to change in so many ways in this country will it happen I don't know 1850 can I wish the best of luck to Doris Garden Fate I've got a text in to say it's on today from 12 noon. I hope it stays dry for everybody there. Doris Garden Fate. And while we're talking to gardens, it's in the middle of all of our gardening questions. Keep them coming in for Peter. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Residents in East Cork living along the route of the proposed 14-kilometre pipe carrying treated wastewater into the inner estuary of Cork Harbour continue to raise environmental concerns. And this morning, members of the Save Cork Harbour Group staged a peaceful protest at Bonard East Ferry. Joining me from the Save Cork Harbour Group is uh, Debbie Hayes. Good morning to you, Debbie. Good morning. Uh, And you're welcome. Firstly, how did your protest go this morning? Very well, Patricia. We had a good turnout of between 30 and 40 people and lots of um, encouraging beeps from, from, from busy um, traffic um, passing. So uh, we, we, were, we were delighted with, with the protest this morning, Patricia. We really were. OK, just to do the background on this. Last year, yes. on board Panola granted permission to Dairy Gold for a cheese factory in Mogili. Outline your concerns. Correct. Um, you're absolutely right. The there was a che- uh, the the application went in um, for a massive cheese factory um, to to go ahead in conjunction with with um, Dairy Gold in conjunction with a Norwegian firm Tine. Um We um, knew nothing about this until um, t- two days before Christmas Day, actually, 
um, we discovered a little um, sign down in East Ferry where we live, um, which would be a good distance, good distance from Mogili, about this um, proposed uh, build in Mogili. And how it um, would affect us is that the um, the outfall, the um, industrial waste coming from the factory, the proposal was made that um, a 14-kilometre pipeline would be laid down from that cheese factory um, underground and would be brought all the way to one of Cork's most beautiful spots um, in the Inner Harbour area known as East Ferry. And um, we ourselves, you know, have no issue with Dairy dairy Gold or any appropriate developments that they they may... uh, make or that they they, they, they they create, you know, and jobs are always fantastic. However, we have a big, big problem and a big issue with how they are handling or uh, rather not handling their their waste. What they are um what what, what they've built is a fourteen kilometre pipeline from Mogili. Um, they're in the final throws of building the last couple of hundred of 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 stretch of this pipeline and um it will um it, it will be the, the outfall itself will come out um in the the inner harbor area in east ferry and the Why main problem concerned? there is there's two environmentally mm. environmentally protected exactly. zones for migrating birds is it that's right. We have what's very, very concerning. First of all, is that it is lodged between two environmentally protected areas. That's, okay. that, that's one thing. Um, number two, the the contents of this effluent is what is exceptionally worrying, and this Patricia is a vast, vast quantity. Um, I often say to people, have a, little, have a little guess, you know, how many how many litres per day would you reckon, you know, uh, might might be, you know, come from the pipe into this water? And they might say, I don't know, a thousand, two thousand. The, the actual figure is four million litres of waste per day on a daily basis, four million litres of what is the industrial waste. In this contains um, what's known as fog, okay? That stands for fats, oils and grease. Now, they have admitted themselves, Jerry Gold, in their original application that not all of it can be treated. Some of it can be treated, but, but, but not all of it but can But they be. are saying, they are. how much are they saying? Because they are saying it will be treated prior to dispersal. Hmm, hmm, yes, um, not all of it will be. About 80% of it will be treated. So it's the 20% that won't be treated. Four million litres of this per day. That's a lot. Very of, worrying. That's a lot of Very fog. Worrying. That's a lot of fog. And it is, you know, Irish Water talk about clearing, cleaning up the harbour, you know, uh, water quality. This, um, should it go ahead, will absolutely be taking a massive step in the wrong direction because this will affect water quality. Now, Dairy Gold claim, claimed and still claim in their original application that, you know, this stuff that we have nothing to worry about because it will be released at ebb tide and the tide will, you know, bring this fog out and it will simply be washed out to sea. Now, that, Patricia, is absolute nonsense because anyone who, who lives in this area will tell you 
that anything that is released there at that spot in the North Channel, and scientific evidence shows this, done by NUI Galway. We, we have scientific, scientific evidence to prove that anything that is released, any sort of um, substance, chemical, even um, a mooring or a boat, sadly we've lost bodies down through the years, anything that gets sort of lost or is omitted into the water at that, at that part, inevitably drifts a little bit. It drifts with the, with the, with the tide and comes right back up again with the returning tide and the prevailing winds. So this this notion that that, that that this is perfectly safe and that it's just all going to go out and drift off out to sea is quite insulting to the to the, the, the residents here. And quite frankly, we're not we're not putting up with it. We find it exceptionally strange as well oh. that the the that the the um the, the pipes have pretty much now been laid. They're in the final throws. Well, they got planning, didn't they? I mean, they they, they absolutely they, they are allowed to, to do it. But okay, but go back to go However, back to you say they do not have a license. They do not yet have a license. They're waiting so they on a license from from the EPA, and we are encouraging people to uh, submit and to object. People can make an make a submission on the EPA website make an objection um, to the granting of this licence because it is um, going to be, should it go ahead, um, an absolute disaster for the area. Okay, you say that, you know, you're not against jobs and nobody is and, and Derry Gold tell us that 67 sure. new jobs uh, will be created when it's operational and they'll plow, they're employing up to 200 people uh, with the construction uh, phase. Okay, if, if, if we want the jobs and we do and, and we want this cheese plant to go ahead, is there an alternative Absolutely. To getting rid of the four million litres of waste. Where, Absolutely. What can they do with it? Absolutely. There are several alternatives. There are wetland alternatives. There are there are there's the alternative of deviating the, 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 the pipe so that it it has access to, to go straight out to the ocean rather than rather than going into a, a very lodged area of the inner harbour. They are under EU obligation to look at, at alternatives. They have not looked at alternatives. Is there, there's a cost involved obviously. Is there in, in what you would be proposing? Oh, this, this is the cheapest and, and, and most careless way of doing things. And we, we're, we're, not, we're not happy about it and we're not backing down about it. OK, and we did get on to Dairy Gold when we said mm. that we were having them on, on the programme. They did issue with, with a statement, and, and I'm not going to read the whole statement, but part of it is, uh, for the Mogili development of Dairy Gold, they looked at the wastewater treatment in great detail. And the environmental impact statement, which accompanied the planning application uh, r- records, that there will be no negative environmental impact on the harbour arising from the Mogili development as on board Planola confirmed they say following its review of the appeal on the local authorities planning approval the Mogili wastewater treatment process will not adversely affect the quality of the harbour water in any detrimental manner and that's what you're objecting to absolute nonsense that is absolute nonsense A, a junior infant pupil could tell you, Patricia, that oil and water do not mix. Yeah. And is is there a smell coming from the plant? 
the plant is 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 far far away from here. It's okay. fourteen kilometers from here, and I do know that the Mogili residents have suffered greatly. They have suffered greatly um, with with what what's been the, um, horrific smells coming from the plant, horrific noise, horrific smells. Um, it's it's so unbearable to some of the residents down there that they're considering selling up and moving. You know, okay. and one of the reasons for this uh, plant, of course, is the it's dairy gold trying to Brexit proof. They need a, yes. a new route to market for for locally uh, produced Absolutely. milk. But and, it's at what cost? This, it's at what cost? Is for is for export. Yeah, all of it is for export. Yeah, cheese is going to be exported to to Europe, Correct. the US, and to uh, Australia. Correct. Okay, so, so, so where so where were you at? You're you're with the. And, and here we are putting up with this and we won't put up with it. Where we're at at the moment is we're, we're in, you know, we're in a very strong position. We have fantastic um, support and we have a lot of good people working on this case with us. And at the moment, we are focusing heavily on getting um, submissions uh put in, you can do it free of charge um, onto the EPA website, please submit an objection to this ludicrous licence to be to be granted. You know, uh, okay. we, we need we need objections to be put in. We've had several objections put in. Um, one of them, in fact, was 161 pages long and went into d- detailed, detailed um, studies done, done uh, um, by the by Tom Doyle in, in MUI Galway um, about how this will in fact impact significantly the water quality. So we are asking that people would, of course, protesting is 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 absolutely that we will continue to do that. But at the moment, the urgency is for people to submit their objection to into the EPA into their website um, about this issue because it is um, it is it's, it's an environmental catastrophe waiting to happen. Oh, okay, and, and it's it's a, it's a construction phase. When is it when is it expected to be operational? Or can it not be operational until it gets the license from the EPA? Is that where it's at? Yes, it 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 will um, it, it it will be pending license. Okay, you know? but I, I I do find it I do find it very strange that all this this pipeline has been built. Uh, w- without without a license, you know, without a license, yeah, without a, a license for for a mission. I mean, we, of course, they're, we they're do things like that. Unfortunately, in the, in this country, we've and we never seem to learn. Have you has have you sat down with Dairy Gold? Have Dairy Gold sat down with your local group? Has there been any sort of a, let's get around the table and s- let's see if we can come up with a solution to this? There was um, there was a we had absolutely no um, communication from them until we saw this sign back in 2016 that this factory was 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 being being proposed and um, we made our voices heard about this you know we, we were shocked about about the proposed waste uh, treatment and they then um, over the Christmas period uh, a very busy time um, proposed a, a very quick last minute public consultation in um, in a hotel in Middleton um, we had a lot of questions um, many of of of, um, of of the questions they did not have answers for us they simply didn't know or didn't want to give us answers it was by no means a public consultation a proper public consultation mm. um, it it's always so disappointing when when businesses don't you know 
get into consultation, don't meet with local Absolutely. local people. Uh, because Absolutely. yeah, oh. Absolutely, because ev- nobody living around here is in favour of this because th- this is not just an issue for East Ferry. With the way the tide goes, this affects Rostellan, it affects Ahada, it affects Whitegate, Roaches Point, it affects um, the, the back island of the backside of, of Cove, it affects all of those areas. It affects the children who swim in those waters. It affects the boat users. It affects the uh, the uh, two fantastic rowing clubs that we have in the area. And th- those are just the, the human effects. You know, I haven't even touched there on on the on the the effects that this will have on our marine biology. Absolutely. Okay. Catastrophe. Will you protest again, Debbie, or was the absolutely yeah, we will okay. we will continue to protest and we will continue to have our voices heard. We have our Facebook page up and running, Save Cork Harbour. We have our website up and running, Save Cork Harbour, and um, our Twitter account, Save Save Cork Harbour. And we've we've had such wonderful support, um, and I'd just like to thank. The, the people who've, who've come out in support um, of this, because we're, we're all we're all in it together. Um, we are we're 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 quite united in this fight. Okay, all right. We'll touch base again, no doubt, uh, Debbie. No thank doubt. you for that. And thank you for having. And, uh, me. Thanks, uh, thanks for joining us. That is uh, Debbie Hayes of. Uh, thank you for the Save Cork Harbour Group. And as I say, we did ask Derry Gold who issued us with that statement, and they end the statement by saying, as a farmer-owned cooperative involved in food production, Derry Gold is acutely aware of the importance of sustainability, water quality, soil fertility, and biodiversity. Key elements of our sustainable agenda uh, are also the core. Elements of successful farming enterprises like our farming members, Dairy Gold is a committed custodian of the environment, embracing sustainability at all levels of the business. So ends the statement, but uh, a statement that certainly Safe Cork Harbour don't agree with. But as I say, it's just disappointing when they when this all started out and when Dairy Gold had their plans in place. Why don't you meet with the people, sit down with the people, answer their questions? Uh, because it's when the questions don't get answered, the people start to get really panicky and fearful about what really is uh, going on. Uh, we'll touch base and uh, if more develops on this story, that no doubt I think it will. Debbie in Douglas was on to us. This is just on a, on a completely different uh, issue. To say a friend of hers is having problems in the Douglas area trying to source a GP. Now, her friend is recovering from a stroke. That's quite a serious medical issue to have. And the GP, her friend's GP has left the practice. And I don't know if he's retired or if he's moved on or he's left the country. God knows we've seen enough of our doctors uh, leaving. And the practice has totally changed hands. New ownership, I'm I'm assuming, and and bought out by another GP or another group of uh, GPs. Anyway, the new practice is a smaller practice, so they're actually reducing patient numbers. And Debbie's friend, who's recovering from the stroke, is one of the patients who isn't included in the new GP practice. So now she's looking for a GP in the Douglas area. So Debbie got on to us to say, could we put it out there? And does anybody know of GP practices in the Douglas area that are open for new patients? Because a lot of GP practices. This isn't just in Douglas. You'll find this across Cork City and County and no doubt across the country. You will find, you'll go into your own GP and there'll be a notice up saying, you know, this surgery is no longer taking new patients because they have uh, 
and as much patience as they can cope with. There can't be an endless supply of patients because we don't have an endless supply of doctors, unfortunately. So I have seen that in a number of surgeries where they say they're not taking on new patients. So does anybody know Douglas area? Because obviously this lady has had a stroke. So therefore she needs to be close enough to her GP in the Douglas area where you know for sure, for sure that they are taking on patients. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. When I mentioned earlier that one of our listeners was on looking for a GP practice in the Douglas area that was accepting new patients, Eddie was on to say Dr Crowley, whose GP practice is based on Main Street in Douglas, they are taking currently taking new patients. There's actually six or seven doctors in the practice. Uh, so hopefully that would be of help to Debbie in Douglas, who was on to us earlier. If you, Debbie, if you want to pass that information on to your friend, Dr Crowley, on Main Street in Douglas, accepting new uh, patients. Earlier this morning, I mentioned that the West Cork Model Railway Village were expecting today to welcome their one millionth visitor to the model village. Kim McNamara uh, joins me on from the Clonakilty Model Railway Village. Uh, good afternoon to you, Kim. Hello, Patricia. I've, ju- I've just spotted your surname. You're no, you're no relation to JP, you know. Not that we no, know. No, not that we know. <laughs> you could be. You never know in West Cork. Absolutely. absolutely. Now, you, the, the West Cork Model Railway Village opened, it's 25 years ago this year. We opened 25 years ago in July 1994. I was one of the first visitors. So I'm, really sh- I'm really showing my age now. <laughs> anyway, it's terrific. You've been doing a daily tally, have you, We since? do a tally every day anyway. Okay. And so about six months, eight months ago, I was saying, do you know what? We're going to hit our millionth visitor um, this year. So we've been doing a bit of a countdown in the office and the staff and the back office staff and all that. We've been doing our little calculations and, yeah, about a Friday we thought we'd be Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> it's just happened about uh, 10 minutes ago. We have a lovely family from Kilkenny have won a lifetime pass to see the model village. Well done. Had they been to the village before? They hadn't been before, oh. but the, the lady who's there, she's um, she has said her father is a railway enthusiast, so she'll be delighted to bring him back down to see us again. Oh, well, how wonderful <laughs> is is that? And yeah. are they on holidays or are they on They're on, on holidays. Trip? They're staying on holidays in the Clonakilty Park Hotel. Okay. And they came down for a visit to us. And it's the ladies, Sarah and her husband, Seamus, and James and Matthew are their two children. And uh, we were trying to get a picture of them, and Matthew was too busy, and James too busy looking at the trains to turn around for the photographs. <laughs> <laughs> Let them have their fun around the village first, and, and you can do it at the end. And and you, they obviously, had you signs up saying you were looking we for We had one? signs. We had posted on Facebook to say that our millionth visitor was uh, due in, and would you be the that one? So um, as they walked through the door, she was about to pay and I said, no, no, there's no charge today. You're our millionth visitor. Congratulations. Ah, well done. Well done. That's thrilled. terrific. That's Absolutely terrific. thrilled. And, and we're delighted to hit that milestone as well. We, funny enough, were, were earlier um, on the programme, we kicked off by talking about tourism yes. uh, in West Cork by speaking with um, Neil Grant of the uh, Celtic Ross yes, Hotel. Yes. You know Neil well. Uh, what kind of a summer have you been having? We've in... been really pleased. Really, really pleased. Our numbers are up this year, which great. is great. Um, and We've been doing some restoration work the last few years and it's really showing dividends now because the place is looking fabulous. And you are weather dependent? 
Well, not really. We can't. You can come in on a sunny day. You can come in on a wet day. Everything, everything runs every day. Does it's it? Yeah. You, your clothing. You know, wear a raincoat. Yeah. Children don't mind the rain. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. The and only wh- thing that stops us is really, really high winds because they blow over the little train carriage. Hot. Bless. <laughs> Bless. It is terrific. Well, congratulations. Thank you so much to that, to that lovely family from Kilkenny, and thanks a million. Congratulations to everybody involved. Brilliant. In the Thank rest you so model, much. Down finished. to everyone here. They've all done really hard work to to get here. Okay, enjoy the celebrations Thank Kim. You. Thanks a million. Bye bye Kim. Kim McNamara of the West Cork Model Railway Village, the one millionth uh, tourist isn't that? It's absolutely fantastic I just am shocked that it's going 25 years Anyway, it is, for those that haven't been there, the West Cork Model Railway Village is in Clonakilty. It is a fully scaled handmade model of the historic West Cork railway line with fully working trains and the towns and the railway served which um, the towns they would have served during the 1940s it's just it is in the detail is absolutely incredible and you can have a cup of coffee when you're down there as well in the little cafe and there's a little gift uh, shop and what I love is the the little gift shop is in an authentic train carriage. It's it's great because I remember actually we were talking about it early in the year. Do you remember when we had the the couple from, and I can't you know, as soon as I stop talking I'll remember their name, the names, the couple from England who are the train enthusiasts, all the stations and they came to Ireland and they were going to visit every single train station in Ireland and we looked, linked in with them a few times and we had a great bit of fun uh, with them and when they were coming to Cork Everyone was saying, oh, Patricia, tell them they have to visit the West Cork Model Railway Village. And unfortunately, time didn't allow it. And I was explaining to them that there was what what once was there, the West Cork Railway Line, and they knew about it. Uh, but they promised on a return visit that they're going to go and visit the Model Railway Village. Because if you are a railway enthusiast, then you're absolutely, you will just you won't want to leave the Model Railway Village. But even if you're not, there's something very, very special about it. And uh, thrilled to know they've had their one millionth visitor uh, today. Uh, congratulations all round. 1850-333-103. We were talking about bus, school buses. And one of the problems that came up when we were talking about the school buses, besides the concessionary tickets that people are having a problem getting, all bus companies will tell you this, they're having a problem trying to secure bus drivers. There's so much red tape now involved in the driving of a bus. But there's an, an additional problem for bus airing in that they will not allow anyone over the age of 70 to do a school run. Now, this is a ruling by bus airing themselves because... It isn't applicable anywhere else. If you're over 70 and you're fit, healthy and competent, which a lot of, I'm delighted to say, over 70s are, you can drive a bus. You just can't drive one of the school buses because, and I don't know why, but a ruling by a bus air. And a listener is saying that's the reason that therein lies the problem because when you're over 70, you can't drive a school bus. It's not the law. It's just a rule that was introduced by bus there and then uh, CIE. Uh, how is it that drivers over the, over the age of 70 are doing tours all over the country? Well able, well capable but yet here we have bus air and putting this rule in place and it is causing problems now for bus operators uh, who can't get the drivers uh, to work which is a, a real shame and I'm sure there's a lot of people over, this, over the age of 70 
who, you know, don't want, you know, don't want to do a full-time job. They shouldn't be doing a full-time job. They're entitled to their ret- retirement. But they wouldn't mind doing a few hours of driving a day and that would be really suitable for the school run in the morning, back in the afternoon to pick up the children. And, you know, it would actually lend itself very nicely to retired people. But seemingly because of this rule, uh, that can't happen. 1850 if you can get your gardening questions into us, please. Jeff and Vicky. Thank you. That's uh, John Paul. Is, remember, Jeff and Vicky were the, the, the couple's name who were travelling around Ireland and Northern Ireland at all the stations and they do something. They've done it over in England as well. And actually, I see them every now and again. I follow them on Twitter and they're forever off on adventures on trains. I saw them on buses as well. So it's Jeff and Vicky. Thank you. Thank you for that. Okay, and just uh, very quickly, yesterday a listener contacted us to say that they had passed their driving test. But when they were doing their driving test, the tester's phone kept ringing. Now, he didn't answer it. But the person taking the driving test said it was off-putting and was wondering, should he have had his phone on? And that you would think during a driving test that the phone will be switched off and it seemed to be repeated calls there was obviously somebody really trying to get through to this man maybe it was his wife wanting to find out what he wanted for dinner or something I don't know but it just looked like somebody was constantly trying to get through because it rang whatever about it ringing once and then he would see the phone ringing and he'd switch it off or put it to, to silence but the listener was wondering had it happened to anybody else now it couldn't nobody else contacted us to say yeah that very same thing happened to me but people were of the view uh, agreed with what I had said you would have assumed that somebody who is sitting in to do a driving test to test the person would have their phone off similar to the person taking the test would make sure that not only on silence they'd have it completely switched off but I didn't nobody else came and said yeah that's exactly what happened to me but uh, Kieran in Bishopstown had an interesting point he said if you're driving in normal driving conditions i.e. not driving in a test and a passenger in their car has their phone with them there is a very high probability that the phone will ring whether the person in the car answers it or not so Kieran in Bishopstown was wondering was it being deliberately done to test to see how the driver could cope? Mm. If it is, it's I haven't heard of it before and I'm assuming if they wanted to do something like that it would have to be officially introduced as part of the driving test. But I, I absolutely accept and can see the point you're making that in the normal driving around of course you're going to have people in the car whose phone will ring or your own phone will ring. But, Kieran, in defence of the person who contacted us The day you're doing your driving test is a nerve-wracking day and you don't need anything else thrown into the mix that might just throw you off. Everybody says you will never again drive the way you drove on the day of your driving test. I mean, you are literally 110% concentrating. That's not to say you shouldn't be driving like that all the time. Of course you should. But that same level of precision driving you do it in the day of your test, but you're not going to be certainly driving around, driving like that again. So you need all of the concentration. I, I still think it was a mistake on behalf of this driving tester to have had his phone on. But I'm taken aback that the caller said that it rang more than once. I, I can accept an accident, you know. 
somebody forgot to turn the phone off, forgot to put it on silent. But the fact that it rang more than once, I'm, I'm really taken aback by that. 1850-333-103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. We have a cancellation of bingo in the Delquin Hall in Canturk tonight and that is due to a local bereavement. The popular Clonakilty Guided Historical Town Walks goes ahead uh, tonight. You meet at the Michael Collins statue at 7. The Irish Blood Transfusion Service Board, they've got a donor clinic in the Sale Sports Centre in Kinsale this evening between 6pm and 9pm. While the Fremont Summer Cultus Sessions, they continue in the Fremont Heritage Centre tonight. Well worth a visit. This week's special guests are Billy O'Brien, John Murphy and friends and the Mallow Heritage Committee. They're launching a photographic exhibition called Mallow in Uniform Military. Uh, they're launching it this afternoon at half past two in the Mallow Library and then the ex- exhibition will run until Tuesday the 27th of uh, August. SUIS is an organisation which deals with literacy and numeracy challenges in disadvantaged communities. They're looking for volunteers to help with maths and reading programmes to help children aged 7 to 9 through fun and easy number games. You can get more details from SUIS on a Dublin number 01662140. And to celebrate Heritage Week, McCroom Heritage Group will visit the ancient McCarthy Oak um, that's happening next Sunday. Meet at two o'clock in McCroom Castle grounds entrance, and a sapling group for this veteran tree will also be planted. C103 and Cork Volunteer Centre presents the very first Cork Volunteer Awards taking place Friday, October 11th. These awards aim to celebrate and recognise remarkable people throughout Cork who selflessly give their time and talent to benefit local communities. Visit volunteercork.ie now and shine a light on your volunteers by nominating them for an award. The Cork Volunteer Awards 2019 at the Kingsley Hotel with Cork Volunteer Centre, Cork Independent and Cork Cork's greatest hits, C103. I want to have a quick chat with Kieran Walsh of the Cove People's Regatta, which is happening this weekend. Good afternoon to you, Kieran. Good afternoon, Patricia. Um, you're welcome to the programme. Now, there's a little bit of confusion about the Cove Regatta and whether it's going ahead or not. Yeah, I believe there was a little bit of confusion during the week. The, the Cove People's Regatta is certainly going ahead. There was there was uh, one event which was happening on the Deepwater Quay. It was act- it was actually just an associated event with the regatta. It was from the Cove Classic Car Club, and due to insurance issues on the Deepwater Quay, uh, that's now not going ahead and has been postponed. That was an RNLI fundraiser. Okay. But the the main weekend is is most certainly going ahead and all systems go. All right, I think yeah, that's where the confusion was. It was the, it was the fact that the Cove Classic Car Club had cancelled their part. Uh, people uh, people hear stuff and don't hear the full story. People thought then it was the Cove Regatta and it's not. Yeah, so the, you're kicking off on Friday? Uh, Friday evening is our opening night and that's at our main sponsors, uh, the Commodore Hotel. Uh, we have our introduction of the Queens, which is traditional, and uh, we have a performance from Sinead Shepherd's School of Dance, Mini Oscars, and uh, the band Sparkle from 
Park, who, who have been very high profile of late. And then on Saturday, we're, we're opening up with, uh, we have markets and entertainment starting from 11 a.m. in the morning. And we're right through the day until midnight uh, across two stages in the square and in our main promenade is the main square. Okay. And again on Sunday from 10 a.m. right through to midnight again across two stages and culminating with um, our traditional fireworks display which should light up the harbour on Sunday night at 10 p.m. That's a busy weekend. It, it's it's incredible and the amount of work that's gone into it from a small team of volunteers is extraordinary. Um, I believe I was on chatting to you back around the time that the St. Patrick's Day Festival I uh, remember it, yeah. was uh, cancelled in COVID and the response from bus- the business community, from the whole community of COVID to the regatta this year has been overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Uh, people are absolutely rowing in behind us there's sponsorship flying from all angles. It's outstanding, and hopefully the weather, the weather will be with us for the weekend. Be kind, yeah. We can put on, we can put on a show like hasn't been seen in years in Cove. So, uh, uh, and it's it's very much uh, an event like this, uh, Kieran. It's very much for for visitors, but for the local people. It is. It's very close to the local people's heart because. This traditionally has always been fundraised by the locals. It, the, the clue is in the name, it's the Cove People's Regatta. Yeah. The, the people of the town put on this showcase. They love to show off Cove. Um, and the people, where we have various fundraisers, etc. during the year, bucket collections, and people are so generous. I'm like, and the giving that's in the town towards all events in the town, but particularly the regatta, it's close to a lot of people's heart because they can remember when they came down and visited the regatta in their younger days and yeah. now their families and they're bringing kids down to the regatta and, and this goes this is going on for generations it, there's there's nearly a 300 year, year history for this regatta and this event in East Park That's fantastic it's fa- it's, it really is it's, it's one of those great great events and you have a beautiful town to show off so you, you are right to show it off uh, Insurance costs and the rising cost of premiums, Kieran. I mean, there isn't been a festival that I've spoken to that are not having problems with it. I, I take it it's one of your big expenditures, is it, in Cove? To be fair, Patricia, our insurance cost hasn't really increased. No, we did have a we did have a serious issue and a standoff at one stage between um, the council and our insurance company regarding uh, a road closure of the square, and you know. While while costs may be an issue, it's it's actually it's actually other stipulations that are being added year on year to insurance that that push festivals as, at as much risk. You know, it, it, sometimes it's not down to cost at all; it's just down to you know the the risk assessment and the extra stipulations that are being put on year on year from insurance companies and and. Um, you know, it, while while the regatta itself probably won't be a threat from insurance, in that we could change the structure of where it's placed, uh, like there is aspects of it that are coming under pressure, and it, that happened right up to 
two weeks out. Ah, it's such a pity. It's such a pity. All these rules and regulations and red tape uh, that comes in. And, and some of it just seems daft. Seems absolutely daft. Anyway, it's uh, all systems go and you're all set and ready for the regatta. Oh, that's that's yeah, we had, a, um, we had a fantastic photo shoot with our Queen's contest last night out at the home of Gary and Ann Wilson okay. of Bell Valley Castle and C103 and 96FM are on board with us this year as, as uh, media. I'm proud to media be media partners, partners. yeah. It's fantastic to have you and you fit right in with the ethos of the whole festival. So, And Gary and Ann Wilson of Bell Valley Castle have actually sponsored this year's fireworks which is a fantastic, a very generous donation to the town and They've they've been very proactive in everything in the town that's gone on since since their arrival. It's, okay, well done. They're a fantastic asset to the town. When does the Queen get announced? The Queen, <laughs> the Queen will be announced at eight pm on Sunday evening. Uh, that'll be the that'll be the ceremony, and that that there's great pageantry in that, and it, it's always it's always very well attended. Um, and you are, you have nothing to do with the selection of the Queen. Absolutely not. <laughs> uh, and in fact, the, the the judges for the Queens are actually uh, from outside of court. You're dead well, right. <laughs> no one has any idea what goes through, what's going on in their heads. What, no clues are ever given until the envelope is passed over. And actually, we want to pay a tribute this year. Uh, Dr. Michael Martin was our MC for the Queens for the last few years. And he stepped down this year. And... Um, we want to pay tribute to the work that he did through the years. And our PRO, actually, uh, Sarah O'Connor, will be the new MC for the, the Queen's competition this year. And, OK, and good luck to her with that. We're hoping... She's a bit nervous, but... Uh, She'll be fine. She'll certainly do a great job. She'll be fine. Listen, enjoy as well, because p- people who work on organising these festivals have a tendency to work so hard they don't get to enjoy the event. So I'm always saying to the organising committee, make sure you take time out to enjoy it uh, as well. Listen, uh, Kieran, pleasure to talk to you and uh, good luck to everybody involved in the Cork Cove People's Regatta happening uh, right across this weekend. And thanks for joining us. Thanks very much. Good morning to you. Look forward to seeing C103 down there. We're looking forward to it as well. Thank you for that. Bye bye. Bye bye. bye. Uh, Kieran Walsh there from the Cove. People's Regatta opening this Friday 1850 Questions for Peter please coming in in the middle of them I saw a quest or a comment in from a listener saying Hi Patricia my heart goes out to uh, Mary Rose Shanahan who you spoke with and everybody involved at O'Reardas in McCroom I 100% agree with what she said on your programme this morning the justice and the courts in this country are a disgrace in that they grant to small and false claims, huge sums of money. This is what will close down Irish businesses. There will be nothing left and something has to be done and something has to be done soon, says, I think it's Noel, it's the, the name on that is just, it's a predictive text, it didn't, it didn't come out right. Thank you for that. And a lot of people I think will agree with you, Noel, on that for sure. OK, we're going to take a break and we're back chatting with uh, Peter Dowdle, theirishgardener.com. C103 Anthems. C103 Anthems. The biggest songs of all 
anthems. Songs that continue to inspire generations. Songs that continue to inspire generations. Weekday mornings from 9 and evenings at 7. Cork's Greatest Hits. C103. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. I'm delighted to say Peter Dowdle, the IrishGardener.com, uh, joins us. He has been missed for the last two weeks, I can tell you that. Uh, good afternoon to you, Peter. Good afternoon, Patricia. How are you? You were dearly missed the last two oh, Wednesdays. We, we had questions in every Wednesday and we had to keep saying, oh, he's not with us today, he's not with us today. Did you get away or did you staycation or what did you get up to? We, we went away to Italy. We went oh. away to, up, up in Tuscany and it was absolutely gorgeous. Nice to get the vitamin D uh, yeah. injection this year. It was necessary. It was lovely over there. Did you look at flowers and plants and shrubs? I didn't look at one plant. Did you not? <laughs> when I did, I couldn't not. But, yeah. uh, but I'd be shot if I went off. <laughs> but but, ve- but very different because of the weather, is it? Well, you know, it is and it isn't. They can grow a lot more, obviously, because they get the, the hot temperatures. Like it was it was between 30 and 37 for most of the time when we were there. Uh, so <clears throat> for, for an Irishman like myself, it's, it's too hot to do much but holiday. But uh, in terms of the, 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 the flora there, no, because they do get quite a lot of rain as well. Uh, like when we were there now, there was about four thunderstorms. Now, they're very... They're very organised about the weather, if you know what I mean, and that the storm comes, it lasts two or three hours. There might be torrential rain for an hour in it, uh, and then it stops. But they do get quite a lot of rain as well. I haven't checked the figures, but that part of Italy, I do know, um, they'd grow an awful lot of plants similar to what we would grow here. Obviously, they can grow a wider range because of the high temperatures in the summer. But uh, no, it's not that dissimilar. Well, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I, also, I just always think when you go abroad, there seems to be the colour seems to be gorgeous, even though we can get fantastic colour in this country uh, as well, even if we don't get a lot of sunshine. Let's get straight into questions. There seems to be a lot of questions coming in about hydrangeas for some reason. Let me give you some of them. Hi, hi Peter. My hydrangeas are withering. Um, do you think they could have been scorched? What's the problem from Pat? See, when when, he, when Pat says withering, I'm wondering, does he mean the flowers are withering or the leaves? So if the flowers are withering, that's quite normal. The flowers will go off or will go over and you'll have more flowers coming on. Now, they, depending on the variety too, some of them, like Annabelle, the, the lovely white one, which is a, a, a hydrangea arborescence, which is a bit different to the normal kind of mop head and lace cap hydrangeas, they will wither, the flowers will wither and there's nothing you can do about that. They have a lifespan and then more flowers come. With the mop heads and the lace caps, some will wither and some you can dry them and, and have them continuing throughout the, the winter months indoors. Um, so if it's the flowers withering, I wouldn't be concerned. Unfortunately, I wouldn't think it's scorch. <laughs> if, if you'd asked me last week in Italy, I might have thought it was scorch. But not We haven't had year. the weather this year for that, so. yeah. But if the leaves are withering, then it's different. It's a different problem. Um, so I would wonder if the, if, the leaf, if the plant is growing in a pot of the open ground. If it's growing in a pot, uh, and you laugh at me when I say this, but if it's growing in a pot, it may well just be lack of water because uh, even though we have had rain, obviously the, the, the canopy of foliage and flowers over the hydrangea can often stop the rain getting into the soil. So if it's the leaves withering and if it's growing in a pot, I'd say, believe it or not, it is lack of water. If it's the flowers withering, I wouldn't be in the least bit concerned. It's perfectly normal. And Anne in Ovens wants to know when is the best time to prune a hydrangea and, and sow some of the cuttings? Well, you could take cuttings off it now. I wouldn't prune it now, but you could certainly take cuttings from it now. Uh, and they root quite successfully at this time of the year. So you take cutting about 
four to six inches in length. The base of the cutting is a node. Now, what a node is, is just where the leaf meets the stem. It's just where the, the leaf buds are at the stem. That's a node. So the base of the cutting should be a node into a small bit of rooting powder, into a bit of compost. Leave one pair of leaves on the top of the cutting uh, and remove anything above that. You don't want any flowers or flower buds or anything like that in the cutting. Just uh, a, a cutting node at the base, about four to six inches in length, with a pair of leaves at the top of the cutting and they root away quite easily for you at the moment. The best time to cut them back, then, I would say, uh, like you could deadhead and, and trim up to tidy up at this time of the year, no problem if it needs it, but I wouldn't give it its, its annual haircut, if you like, until uh, end of February, early March, until it's coming into the new season next year. OK, Anne in Mitchistan has hydrangeas growing in her garden, and one she describes as the flowers being very low to the ground. Uh, what happens when the flower droops down? The others are fine. It's just the one. The flower, flower is actually dipping right onto the lawn. It's probably just like a, it's probably just a physical thing as opposed to, to a horticultural thing in that it, the flowers can get top heavy. And again, a, a particular varieties like Annabelle, which I referred to, the stems aren't always, believe it or not, strong enough to hold the weight of the flower. And particularly when we get a bit of wet weather, so the flowers become even heavier with the rain on them, it can just physically bend over. There's very little you can do except stake them. Uh, and I wouldn't be going out with bamboo stakes tying up every single bloom because uh, number one, it's too much work, and number two, it'll look bad. Uh, but you can get, you know, these metal stakes that you can get for perennial plants, which you don't tie them to, they're just supports. They stop stems from falling over. I'd get yourself a few of them maybe and put them around the base of the plant to keep the, the flowers upright. Um, if it's an Annabelle or one of them, then that's about all you can do. If it's something like the mac- one of the macrophyllas, one of the, the mop heads, uh, that's bending over with the weight. Pruning it, as I said, in kind of the end of February, early March next year, pruning it to strengthen it might help that as well. But but I think maybe, probably because of the amount of rain we've had this summer, uh, and I think maybe going out to get uh, some of those metal stakes, those metal stakes you, that you'd usually use for perennials, that should help, I think, to hold them up. Okay, could you, a listener has sent on, I know John Paul sent it on to you by WhatsApp, it's a purple flower that flowers in early spring, do you know the name of it and will the seeds and the leaves grow next year? Yes, I just opened it in front of me there now, as a, just after I was talking to John Paul, it's Lunaria, or Honesty is the name of the plant, a lot of people will know it by the, the name Honesty, it's also called the, the common name of the, the money plant or the coin plant because the seeds it looks are, like coins, the picture. Yeah, yeah, they look like coins, so it's a lovely kind of traditional cottage garden plant. Um, I remember growing it as a child. Lovely purple flowers. Now, it is a biennial. So what that means, Tricia, is it takes two years to complete its life cycle. So you have perennial plants, which will grow forever, and you have annual plants, which will complete their life cycle in one year. So they go from seed to flower in the one year. Um, the biennial will take two years to go from seed to flowering stage. So in other words, the answer to the question is yes, the seeds in those seed pods in the photograph will grow, I would plant them outdoors or even in the indoors if you, if you have a glass house and a, a, a pot full of compost. Very lightly cover the seed, only really lightly cover it uh, early next year, kind of March, April next year. They will grow. Uh, they'll germinate and grow quite quickly, but they won't flower next year. They won't flower to the following year. Uh, so in the following year, I would plant them wherever you want them to flower uh, and plant them where you're not going to be disturbing the soil because they'll set their own seed um, as those seed pods in the photograph crack open. They'll set their own seed, so you won't have to go to the effort, if you like, of collecting the seed and replanting it each year. They'll do that all on their own, provided they're growing somewhere that isn't going to be disturbed. Uh, and then you'll have, you'll have honesty for years to come.
well done. Mary says, all my tomatoes are going rotten. Now, I mistakenly, says Mary, set an outdoor brand called Marmalade, which she put in brackets, wouldn't be my favourite. I'm growing them indoors in a conservatory. Is it possible to overfeed them? And would that be why they went rotten? Uh, she didn't send a photograph, Chris. Did no. She? No, OK. Uh, I wonder, I, if there's so many things that can affect tomatoes, really a photograph would help. So maybe send one into the radio station. OK, and or, actually, I've just that's come in on a WhatsApp. So, Mayor, if you want to photograph it, send it into us and we can get it on to Peter. Not for this week, we'll get it on for next week. I certainly will have a look okay. at the photograph and, and try and give an answer, yeah. OK, Magella says, question please for Peter. I planted a rose tree a few weeks ago. I have an amount of flowers on it, but the leaves are turning a rust colour with black spots and something appears to be eating the leaves. Can uh, Peter suggest what I need to do? Now, she says, well, what, what can I spray on it? But I know you're not the great well, fan yes, of sprays. Well, you, you, you have two things going on there. The, you have black spot. Uh, or the, the, the caller has black spot, uh, which is a fungal infection. And I was just kind of uh, laughing to myself there when you said there's a lot of questions about hydrangeas because I put a video up on uh, hydrangea care on my own Facebook page, Irish Gardener, a couple of weeks ago, and it's had tremendous, uh, it's obviously the time of the year, there's, there's been about 20,000 people have looked at it uh, and tremendous feedback. But I also did one uh, on rose black spot the week before, and again, the reaction was phenomenal. There's been about 23,000, 24,000 views of it. So people are interested because it's, it's the, people are suffering from it. So the, the best thing to do actually is have a look at that video. It's on Facebook, on the Irish Gardener page. Uh, and the black spot, mildew, rust, all these fungal problems which affect roses are caused uh, by warm, damp conditions, which we have at the moment. So there's a couple of things you need to look at. Pruning it, I wouldn't give your I wouldn't normally recommend giving your rose its its annual pruning right now, but if it's suffering from a bad fungal infection, I would. Uh, and a lot of people who follow the advice by pruning it and, and keeping good air circulation around the plant have come back to me and said, we followed your advice, and they've sent in pictures and said, look, it's flowering again, it's brilliant. So, you know, ju- you don't need to rush to the chemical store, as you say, Trish, and just pour sprays on it. A bit of just knowing what's causing it uh, and then knowing how to counteract it will help. So it's caused by fungal infection. Poor air circulation around the plant and warm and damp conditions will lead to fungal infection. So prune it so it's a good open plant. You don't have many crossing branches and crossing leaves. So good air circulation through the plant. Uh, you can treat it then with, believe it or not, a mixture of milk and water, about one part milk to two parts water, normal full-fat cow's milk mixed with two parts water. Spray that on the plant and that will work very well from an antifungal point of view. Also, if you wanted copper sulfate, which is another organic uh, broad-spectrum fungicide, instead of the milk, you wouldn't do both. So copper sulfate mixed with water, spray that on the plant, and that will also control it. Uh, and you you will have success and you will have more flowers. OK, question for Peter, please. Uh, there's no detail of what type of shrubs, but can I move shrubs from one spot in the garden to another at this time of year? The, the, obviously, I don't know which shrubs they're no. talking about there, but I would say the general, in fact, the definite answer to that for any of them is no, certainly not at this time of the year. The time you would do nearly all moving uh, of plants, you can plant anything from a pot into the ground at this time of the year, but you can't take anything from the ground at this time of the year. This is where the old saying, um, Chris, that you remember, you should only plant things uh, in, a, in a month with an R in it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's not actually about planting, it's the other way around, it's about can't. The reason being that traditionally, before garden centres had everything in, in plastic pots, things were lifted out of the ground in the nursery and sold to the customers going back before before you or I were born, Ultra. Um, <laughs> but that that was not because you couldn't plant, but because you couldn't take something out of the soil. So 
you do it really when the plant is totally dormant, any time between kind of November to, to March, depending on the, the temperatures, uh, when the plant is fast asleep. Because when you take something out of the ground to move it, it's unavoidable. You are going to damage some of that root system. So you do that during the dormant period so that the plant has a chance to repair that damage before it's actively growing. At the moment, all plants in the ground are, are taking water and nutrients out of the soil every second of every day. So if you disturb that root system, you're going to just kill the plant. So don't take anything out of the ground at this time of the year. Hi, uh, Peter. How tall does Cantoni Aster Horizontalis? Horizontalis, is it? Horizontalis. Horizontalis. How how tall does it grow? Well, it shouldn't grow that high because as the name suggests, horizontalis, it's a horizontal grower. It's more of a ground cover than a, than an upright one. But it will grow, it will also, it produces these kind of arching stems. It's also called the fishbone plant. It's a stunning plant and you know it, you've seen it a million times, if you, even if you don't know it by that name. But um, it, it, it's called the fishbone plant because in the winter, when all the leaves are gone from it, the, the stem looks like it's... Or the branches look like the, the framework of a fish's skeleton. Ah, I'm um, just looking at it here in the photograph. It's fabulous. Yeah, yeah. you do know. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. But it, it it can those branches kind of grow on top of each other, and they're they're not overly pliant, if you know what I mean. There's a bit of rigidity in them, so they can get to a height. And um, the answer to the question, how high will they grow? I've never seen one higher. I'd say than I'd say I got. I would say three or four feet in height. Um, but anything, any of them that I have seen at three or four feet in height are, are probably spread to about 20 feet at that stage. Mm. So you're really talking about an established plant. Um, I would be inclined to keep it lower by pruning because I think it can become quite an untidy plant if you let it grow to that height. I would keep it lower. I would keep it less than two feet off the ground and encourage it to spread more. Okay. Hi, Peter. I set grass three weeks ago. It came up very well. When should I give it its first cut? If it's got three weeks ago, it's totally against what the textbooks would say, of course, or the advice that we give to do it three weeks ago, because we we should be suffering from drought. But obviously this year we're not. So you've been you've been lucky, and uh, it has come on well. I would say you could be near enough to giving it its first cut now. Uh, you'd, you'd say when it's about three to four inches in height, you'd cut it at its at the the highest setting of the lawnmower, uh, and then go down gradually weekly after that. But yeah, you'd probably be soon enough, three to four weeks at this time of the year, it should be near, uh, thereabouts. Out you get with it all. More question for Peter. What advice would he, what, what advice would he have for what may be eating the flowers of my hydrangeas? Also, when is the time to prune a holly tree? It's Mary Kiss Game. Uh, sorry, what was the second part? When to prune the holly prune tree? Prune a holly tree, yeah. When to prune the holly tree is the easier part to answer. You do that after burying, which is kind of, obviously it's burying any time from, from now, they're in berry, even though they're green. So from now to kind of end of February, they're in berry, uh, and then they flower again around May time. So I would cut them back kind of February, really, any time during February, March, I would cut them back for the holly. As to what's eating the hydrangea flowers, it's a more difficult question to answer because we had this question a couple of weeks ago, I think, Trish, on, on your programme. Uh, and I looked into it, and there is a beetle that does, I can't for the life of me now, even though I looked into it, I can't remember the name of the beetle, because there was a new one on me, to be honest with you, uh, and uh, I looked up the name of the beetle that, that eats it, but it doesn't seem to be in Ireland, so I'm just a bit worried now, because that's the second question that we've had, and I've never really been asked that question before, um, so there is a beetle that does eat, eat the hydrangea flowers, I can't just say for the life of me remember the name of it, Um 
I would always have put it down to slug damage or something like that before then. But again, leave that one with me and I'll check. I'll get more information okay. on that now. And, w- and we can come back to that uh, yeah. again next uh, week. Um, question, how to get rid of mushrooms in mulch? Mushrooms well, you in don't. Mulch. You, you don't really. You leave them. It's, it's fungal. So it's a, it's a mulch, like a bark mulch or a wood chipping or something like that. Um, and fungi is part of, of the whole tapestry of nature's great tapestry without fungal growth and fungi and mushrooms and things like that nothing would break down and nothing would become soil so we'd be drowning in our own garden waste if you like we need those, we need that fungi to, to break it down into humus and into soil so the, the mushrooms and the toadstools are just the, the blossoms of that fungus if you like and 99% of them aren't doing any damage at all they're, they're doing a lot of good and no damage um, the only thing is if you think it's something like honey fungus so if it's a honey coloured toadstool and there's kind of black bootlaces underneath it, then you'd need to be worried. But but that doesn't really grow on mulch in its own. That needs living tissues on which to feed. So I would say don't worry about it. You, you, sh- you shouldn't have to worry about them at all. They'll die off in their own time. If you are anyway concerned, again, a photograph sends into yourselves or sends into me in the Irish Garden and I'll have a look at it. Uh, but I, I, 99% sure I wouldn't worry about it. Okay, and, and any photographs that have come in, we will send them on to uh, Peter for uh, next week. And I mentioned this earlier, Doris Garden Fate is on today, actually kicked off at 12 noon for people that are in and around the uh, Doris uh, area. Some of those garden fates and festivals are still on. Are you up to anything this week? Or are you just settling back into normal life after the holidays? Settling back into <laughs> normal life is exactly what I'm doing. And you know yourself when you come back from holidays, you, you kind of, um, you're snowed under with... With emails and work. It's hard. Get back to the it's person. hard. It's, and yeah. especially coming back to the way the weather was as well. Okay, I enjoy. Know. And we'll talk next Wednesday. Thanks, Trish. Thanks bye. for that. Bye-bye. That is uh, Peter Dowdle, our resident gardener, the theirishgardener.com. And that's where I have to wrap it up for today. My thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon and we're back with you tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock. Until then, I'm Patricia Messenger. A very good afternoon. Martina O'Donoghue. Make C103 part of your drive home with up-to-date traffic information and local news. Your input in selecting our feel-good song of the day plus our feel-good story and as many of Cork's greatest hits that we can fit into three hours. Join me, Martina O'Donoghue, every weekday from 4 to 7. C103.